Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is. It's Friday. you're ready for the weekend. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN, 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex Jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Good morning. Happy Friday, kids. Good morning. morning. Everybody's fired up. Good. Cardinals are going to be on the road. They uh, lose last night. They didn't win last night. They had the night off. Mm -hmm. And for one of the rare times in the history of the Seattle Mariners, the Cardinals will head to Seattle tonight. 9-10 start. You can see it on Bally Sports. And the Cardinals will pitch Steven Matz. He'll be opposed by right-hander George Kirby, who's 1-1 one one with a 3.78. Of course, the Mariners last year broke the longest drought for the playoffs in baseball by making it for the first time since 2001. And then they upgraded during the offseason. It's a good test for the Cardinals this weekend. It should be fun. I mean, I'm glad that it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's 9-10 start is going to be uh, yeah. a little late tonight, but we are um, we are going to take care of business. Hopefully, Stephen Matz is on the mound, and hopefully we get uh, get some things done. We need to see spring training, Stephen Matz. Yes, we do. You see, I'm going to go full sunshine and lollipops oh, this morning, guys, because it is Friday. One, though, right? No, the, okay. the, the very happy, right. happy, cheery one. Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. What? Cardinals will whack the Mariners. So that's going to be my prediction. The Mariners are kind of on a slide right now. They've lost three in a row. I think this is a really good chance for the Cardinals to maybe continue that momentum that we've kind of seen in these last two games, especially that last one. Now, you don't have to go out there and score 14 runs. That would be nice, be nice. every be single nice. game, but maybe closer to what you two predicted of eight runs okay. a game. Want to pick to click for the weekend? Sure. Headed back to the Pacific Northwest, Tyler O'Neill. Former mm. Mariner farmhand wants to get back at his old team. Mm. Tyler O'Neill has a big weekend for you. Are you at all concerned? The Cardinals obviously are not where we would hope that they would have been as we play on uh, April 21st. And uh, actually, they're in fourth place in the division. Only Cincinnati trails them, and they're six games behind first place Milwaukee. Is that bothersome to you at this stage, or can you deal with it? I'm... Well, eight and eleven is a record, by the way. Like I said, I, I'm going full sunshine and lollipops because we discussed this yesterday, and I think it really stuck with me what Adam Wainwright said about possibly the World Baseball Classic, how this can kind of affect the rhythm. I mean, the Cardinals and Astros had the most players go and represent teams and countries in the World Baseball Classic, and I don't think it's a coincidence that both are kind of off to slow starts. So you get those guys back together, trying to get everybody to gel in an actual game format, playing for each other, and hopefully the rhythm will pick up. I mean, I, you're starting to see things trending in the right yeah, direction, yeah. I feel like, the Cardinals. I think we're just all waiting for when everything's clicking, right? When we see the offense clicking, with the starting pitching clicking, and that's when it's like, okay, this will be the Cardinals team that we knew that they possibly could be. We knew the offense was going to be good, right? I mean, we knew that they'd be able to bail out the pitching in a lot of situations, but being able to see the starting pitching trend in the right direction, I think, will help a lot, too. 
you need a seven and three ten game stretch here. You you can pick up three or four wins in San Francisco on this on this West mm-hmm. Coast road trip. If you can win two, you know two out of two out of the three uh, in Seattle, two out of the three in 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 L.A. Then I'm a happy camper. Then That's you're you're, you're you're feeling maybe you need to win yeah. four in San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go four there, and then you can win one or two in the other place. Um, but you have to get that done in order to. As as Adam said, not allow the Brewers to start sprinting away so early that it's it's extremely hard to catch up. So that that's that's what I want to see this weekend. Just a good overall weekend and then a good overall ten game stretch. If the playoffs started today, and they don't start until October and it is April, but if the playoffs started today, Atlanta, Milwaukee, and Arizona would be the division champions. The wild cards would be the Mets, Pirates, and Cubs. Miami would be the next team, and then the Dodgers, Padres, Cardinals, and Phillies would be the next four that would all miss the playoffs. Dodgers, Padres, Cardinals, and Phillies. I wish I could hop on FanDuel Sportsbook and get that parlay. But uh, <laughs> one of those four teams makes the playoffs. Hockey, last night the playoffs continued. Vladimir Tarasenko is off to a good playoff start with the Rangers. He had their first goal again last night, and they knocked off the Devils 5-1. Rangers lead two games to nil in that series. Really strong game for Ryan O'Reilly as Toronto trounced Tampa 7-2. to That series is tied at a game apiece, and Toronto just lit up Tampa. This might be Toronto's year finally. I think that they need it to be is, is the thing because I think one the fans might lose their minds mm-hmm. <laughs> if they don't and they made a lot of those moves I mean picking up Ryan O'Reilly I felt like because we saw the Blues do that as well where you kind of picked up some final pieces I feel like picking up Ryan O'Reilly was them saying we're going to get past the first round this time right the Kraken knocked off the Avalanche 2-1 to one. that series is tied at a game apiece and the Golden Knights were 5-2 winners over the Winnipeg Jets that series even at a game of peace. NBA playoffs carries Golden State Warriors thumped Sacramento 114 to 97. As they should. Mm-hmm. It, it, it looked more like what we expected. And I think uh, Draymond being out actually helped them. So I think they're going to have some things planned better for the next game when he is back there. I don't think they need to play to him and Looney at the same time. They'll, Looney will probably start the game on the bench. Um, and, you know, they'll probably start Jordan Poole. And they'll, they'll, they'll get that court spread out a little bit more. And then Looney will come in with that energy rebounding. We'll be back in the... Back in the hunt. Warriors coach Steve Kerr on the response to his club of Draymond being out. Yeah, our guys were locked in yesterday. Um, at uh, you know when when the news came in and um, we we turned the page pretty quickly. There's there's you know there's no need to as I said yesterday. There's no need to belabor the point. It's just uh, the league made the decision, so you know, like you only have one path to take, and that's get ready for the next one. And that's what our guys did. Good approach. That's what you have to do. It is what it is, and just move on. Other NBA action last night. The Sixers were down by five with about five minutes left. They came back and beat the Nets by five, 102 to 97. And the Suns blasted the Clippers 129 to 120. Well, they didn't really blast them, but they beat them 129, 124. The problem for the Clippers in that game was that Kawhi Leonard missed it with a knee injury. And also, they uh, had a problem with Devin Booker scoring 45. Here's Coach Monty Williams. It's what he's been doing this series you know I told him after game one he was the thermostat for the team and uh, he set the tone and temperature for 48 minutes not just from the start and you know to have him play that many minutes and we needed it and have that kind of production speaks to his ability to not just physically grind it out but mentally grind it out that was a good win for uh, Phoenix the concern that I would have obviously 
Kawhi Leonard, I don't know what's wrong with his body. Like, I, and I say that respectfully. Like, he's 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 his body fails him at the most inopportune times. It's unfortunate because with him, they could probably win this series. And if he comes back um, in the next game, they may have an opportunity. If you're the Suns, you're looking at how many minutes they're playing. Kevin Durant played 42. Chris Paul played 41. Devin Booker played 45. It's only 48 minutes in the game. They are sitting down for four or five minutes for the entire game. And with Chris Paul, you playing him 41 minutes, he is going to be gassed by game four, five, six, and if it goes to seven. He is not going – we saw it last the last couple of years. He doesn't have the stamina mm-hmm. to just do that every other night. And they don't have many – they don't have uh, more than one off day between games this entire series. So he's going to be gassed at some point, and it's going to – it will catch up to the Phoenix Suns. And, and if Kawhi is back healthy, uh, you know, it's gonna, this may be a six- or seven-game series. Isn't it interesting that – one of the concerns when they made the Durant trade was that they were trading depth. Yes. And now uh, here they are, missing without, depth. Without any depth, yes. Yeah. Definitely. The uh, Philadelphia 76ers game, mm-hmm. there were a couple of kicks in that game. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, Joel Embiid. And he yeah. kicked the guy. It was, it was. It's interesting to see how... You know, different people get different responsibility, get different uh, responses from from referees. Did Harden get ejected just because that was the they worst missed, ejection they I've the seen? Ejection on Embiid. That was the, Is that what happened. I watch a lot of boxing, and I've seen people get hit below the belt. That was above the belt line, and it was not nearly. But NBA players are becoming, you know, soccer players in how they fall out and and pretend like they are someone did something egregious to him. So, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. And one football note for you. Football is interesting in that Patrick Mahomes, who's the best quarterback in the league, is the sixth highest paid quarterback in the league now. And Brent Veach, the Chiefs general manager, said yesterday, we'll address it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> we'll wait till everybody else gets done. You, you, you're, you're good, big fella. We got you. I'm going to take you home. Well, I feel like, do, did we give a proper shout out to, to Blaine Gabbert? Also oh, being yeah. signed as the backup, yep. St. Louis I is all continuing. I did too. Yeah. He might I was have very too. confused. I mean, you might be retired, and then well, Kansas City calls and says, "Hey, you want to play backup quarterback for Patrick Mahomes?" One of the things about going to Mizzou sure. is that it's a really good educational institution. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. And so Chase Daniel learned the how to do it, and then Blaine Gabbert said, "You know what? I'll just go back up Tom Brady and then Patrick Mahomes." Sounds do you do you like think that that's just how play. that worked out? It's like, okay, you. You're the backup for one legend, and then it's like, uh, this feels you do pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like not, you must have a special not a personality. Lot of, uh, stress in this position, is it? No, not yeah. at all. We're pretty easy. And you could do it for five years. Penny did it, I think, for five years. Randy, I had a quarterback tell me the best position, the worst thing is is the starting quarterback getting hurt. I told you, if I didn't have to play, I would have played 12, 15 years in the league. But starting quarterback got hurt. Eh. I was thrusted into action. <laughs> Didn't go well for me. So congratulations to Patrick Mahomes, who will get a deal that is north of half a billion dollars. We're off and running here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk some golf. The Live Tour is playing this weekend. Jay Delsing joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke Grimsley took her first golf lesson this week. Carrie Davis is here. I'm Randy Carricker, and we head to the Celebrity Line. And Jay Delsing, who played for a long time on the PGA Tour, joins us. He'll have his show Sunday morning golf with Jay Delsing, 9 to 10 here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Jay. How are you doing? 
I'm doing great, guys. Good morning. Brooke, you took your first lesson this week. We got to teach you how to swear properly now, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, uh, I went over to Golf Discount in O'Fallon, and it was just kind of like a quick lesson because I've honestly not properly just like. I guess even had a lesson. I would just always <laughs> go to Top Golf or something like that, or just for for fun and just like go out there and just see how far I could hit it. So that was like the first time, like, okay, this is how you actually grip it and like, I guess grip and rip it. Grip and rip. Yep. There we grip go. There, how about how about that one? So luckily, I I have played tennis and that seems similar in some ways, just kind of the swinging motion, and I was able to hit it straight the first couple of times. So hopefully, you're proud of me, Jay. We hate you if you're going to hit it straight your first time. That sucks. I mean, no, no, congratulations. Well, welcome to the club. Now, you're going to get hooked, and you're going to babble around, and you're, you're, you're going to make, like, very little sense very often on, on when you start trying to figure this thing out. Jay, I don't know if you saw, I'm sure you did, that Tiger Woods had a surgery on his ankle. Uh, that wasn't even what we thought was hurt in the Masters. It was supposedly his foot. What 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 are we doing? What's going on here? Are we, are we I asked you this last week, and I think you said we're, we're close to seeing the end of Tiger Woods in, in major tournaments and, and professional golf, but are, are we getting, are we just inching that much closer with, you, with each surgery that he has? It, it seems like it, Kerry, and I hate to say that. I, I've I've counted him out before with some of the other things, but he, what he had was his right ankle fused, which um, obviously is a result from the car accident. And uh, I, I've heard stories about him having a, um, a, an actual screw, you know, protrude from his skin out in LA when he was playing at the Genesis. And I don't know, the whole Masters thing was just awful and and awful to watch. And the weather didn't help him at all. So. What it really means, guys, is there's no way he's going to play in the PGA and the U.S. Open. I mean, the U.S. Open is only, what, seven and a half, eight weeks away. And so uh, I just I, – I hate to say it, but I don't know if we'll see him play at all this year. Hey, Jay, it's been a particularly windy week in St. Louis. We're going to have some more wind today, and over the weekend it's going to be a little bit cooler. As – a player, how should we approach dealing with the wind? Do we just hit our normal shot, or is there something that we can do to improve our game in the wind? Yeah, that's a great question, Randy. So there are a couple of things when you played out on the PGA Tour, there were a couple of things that um, were definitively score razors that made it harder to play. And the wind was number one. Hard, fast greens number two, and lots of rough were the the three components. Oddly enough, people used to think that rain would make it harder to play on the PGA Tour and it softened the greens and made it easier. The scores went really, really low. So when you're playing in the wind, take extra clubs. Take more club, especially when you're uh, when you're dealing with crosswinds, this, those are the hardest guys. When you're for a right-handed golfer, the hardest wind to play in is one that's into you from your left, because the majority of us right-handers have a tough time with the ball slicing, and that just exasperates the the slice. So take extra club if you're hitting some of your irons. Try putting that ball back so it's towards your right foot, back in your stance a little bit. And if you watch people that the, the pros play in the British Open and some of the European, um, the DP Tour, you'll see these uh, um, um, these held-off finishes where their hands don't get up as high as their shoulders. That's the pros trying to keep the ball down a little bit. If you get a chance to go to the range, try that a little bit because 
you can by swinging easier and taking more club it's much much easier to keep the spin off the ball keep it down a little bit and try to keep it underneath the wind because man our spring has been brutal on on our on we golfers the the courses are not quite in the shape that we'd like them to be the greens are tough the the fairways are soft and it's windy i mean it's all those components that make the course really hard so even off the tee with the driver in your hand you should play the ball back in your stance that's a tough one Rand. that's where i was going next i I wouldn't recommend it the new drivers the big headed these four 460 cc headed drivers are not designed uh to, to perform that way with the driver keep it up front and try to launch it is is just as and hit the ball as solidly as you can that that that'd be the example okay or, or that, that'd be the goal and actually you know that's never a, i i know that sounds really ridiculous but that's always the goal the more solidly you hit the ball in the wind uh, the, the the better chance you have of having to hold its line. And guys, most of the younger players on the on the PGA Tour, they don't flight their ball much at all. And when we were when when we were playing, that was one of the things that we were taught to do. Is that you had to learn how to hit these different uh, uh, shots to try to. To try to play in all these different conditions, but when I was doing the, well, I, I had Brooks Kepka the last two days of the U.S. Open at Shinnecock, and we got a considerable amount of wind at the U.S. Open that year when he won, and I'll remember him going up to 17, and it's a really difficult par three straight into a left to right wind, and he just smashes it up in the air as high as he could, and the wind just blew it over there, and <laughs> you know he he went on, he went along his way and and beat the field. Jay, I wanted to get your thoughts on this comment. Matthew Fitzpatrick became the latest pro golfer to bash the PGA Tour's pace of play, joining the likes of Brooks Kepka, kind of saying the same thing. What do you make of those comments, and do you agree or not agree with them on it? You know what, Brooks? They, that, that stuff has been going on forever. There are definitely slow players, and, and a lot of this thing has been focused around Patrick Cantlay, and he is definitely a, a, a slower player. The problem is, they don't adhere. The, the the slower players know how to game the system, so to speak. So there's a slow play. Uh, there's slow play rules um, that that are that are supposedly uh, adhered to every week. But if you watch that, if you watch Augusta, whenever there's a three ball, meaning we get inclement weather, so they redo the fields. Augusta usually plays on the weekend with just twosomes, and the pace of play is really, really enjoyable to watch. This year, because of all the bad weather, and in order to get the tournament finished on Sunday afternoon, they moved the the, the pairings around, and there were threesomes, and it always just backs up. And so a lot of it's inevitable. Some of the time, I will tell you this, Brooke, some of the guys on the PGA Tour know that if they slow down, they will absolutely bug the hell out of you. And they will do that. And that happens. And I, and I guarantee you, because – they know that they can get under another player's skin. They'll they'll go ahead and slow slow it up and 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 use it to their advantage. So it's happening that that should that they should they should be uh, more stringent on those rules. But they 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 just really aren't because there are certain situations where time gets away from players and and you can't have an official watching every single guy on every single hole. 
Jay, I am uh, perusinggolf.com, and I came across an article called uh, Focused Golf Practice, Rules for Concentrating on Each Shot for Better Play. So I'm going to give you the four rules that they say <laughs> that they have. So number one, take your time and go through your routine on every shot. Number two, pick a club and a target that you can hit. Number three, focus your attention on the complete process. And number four, learn something from every swing, shot, and result. Now, Jay, if I follow these four <laughs> simple rules, how long before I can become a, a PGA Tour member? <laughs> oh, man, Jerry, I don't know how long you're going to live. I'm not sure. You, you know, it, it's interesting because those sound really, really simple. Very but, simple. Man, if you, but if you wanted to break those down, I mean, just just um, doing developing a pre-shot routine. If you look out on the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour and even college golf, all the kids and the women and all these players have developed a pre-shot routine. And so what that is, it, uh, it liken it, guys, to the, to the NBA playoffs that are going on right now. Any player that gets fouled and goes to the free-throw line has his, what, what I'll call a pre-shot routine. Before he shoots the free-throw, he's dribbling the ball a certain amount of time, he's rolling it, spinning it in his hands, a variety of different things. Adrian Dantley used to have this really strange. We don't kind of rest. Randy, you'll probably remember. He'd wrap his arms around the ball before he shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All these guys have their own pre-shot routine in this. They want to do the exact same thing every single time they're 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 playing, and that's what we golfers do. But that takes a a minute to try to develop. You've got to go out. You've got to work on it. You've got to try to figure out what is best for you. And taking your time, I mean, there's there's something that, that parents, I, I, I got to tell you, this is so funny. I'm watching a volleyball tournament. My daughters are all volleyball players, and parents have just gotten so in the way of sports. And and, and there's a, there, a little again. girl, she's cute. She's got a little <laughs> bow in her hair, and she's back serving. And you can tell she is nervous. She is running through all of this instruction she's been given on the way to the, you know, and, and, and she just looks up tight and, and nervous as hell. But trying to go through this pre-shot routine and hear this voice in the background go, relax out there. <laughs> and she turns around and goes, I'm trying to relax. You know, like, where's the fun? I mean, there has to be this component of fun and you've got to mix it in the right, right sort of way. And so a pre-shed routine is one of the things in there. I mean, uh, Gary, that's, that's absolutely incredibly important. But the biggest thing is get out and play. Get out and play. There's so many little nuances about the game. There's so many weird lies. Randy talking about the wind, and that is an extreme factor to to be to be dealt with. The good thing about the wind is, though, guys, in about another two or three weeks, we're not going to have much wind. We just, I mean, you know how hot it gets here. We pray for wind in, in June and July and stuff, so you're not going to have to deal with that all summer long. Jay, who do you have on your show on Sunday? Lee Trevino. We got Fantastic. Lee Trevino come in. Oh man, is he 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 is really funny. And and you want to talk about it? He says in this this interview, if the sun is shining, golf balls are meant to be hit. And he would he would hit balls and talk about his his. You, you want to talk about a routine and what he thought he needed to do? I mean, this guy was a ball beater and just hit balls nonstop. We'll be looking forward to listening. Thanks so much for the time. We always appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. 
Have a great day, guys. Thank you. Thanks. That is Jay Delsing with us on 101 ESPN. We've got an early edition of Take It or Leave It. John Hewlett is retiring from Casey. He's going to join us coming up at 745. So we've got Take It or Leave It coming your way. The text line is open. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Tioli next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber Showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Line open 314-399-9646, 314-399. Yo ho! Uh, kids, Ian Rappaport, NFL Network, they protect the shield at the NFL Network, reporting that the 49ers have received inquiries from several teams looking into a potential trade for Trey Lance. Take it or leave it if Lamar Jackson isn't the starter for the Ravens on opening day, Trey Lance will be. Hmm. I'm gonna leave it. Hmm. I don't know where they would go, but I don't know. I mean, if you're the 49ers, can you trade Trey Lance after you traded so much to move up to get him? You'd like, think not, but Purdy is their guy, apparently. That's, uh, and people, they signed Sam Darnold. Well, <laughs> so they're loaded at quarterback. It, this leads me right to my... <laughs> you can't say that with a straight face. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> people tend to take quarterbacks at an inopportune time. You don't think um, that Brock Purdy's going to be the next Kurt Warner? Number 13, school from Iowa. He's got off to a great start. Yeah, I think he is. All right, Randy. So there are a few quarterbacks that are in the NFL draft that is coming up next weekend. Mm -hmm. Well, next week. Um, Everyone projects Bryce Young to be the number one overall pick. Take it or leave it, there's a quarterback not named Bryce Young that is actually the best, ends up being the best quarterback in this class. Take it 100%. Which one are you taking? Straub. Okay. Ohio State. And I know the history of Ohio State quarterbacks. But he has all of the attributes. And think about some of the other guys that have come out and only played a year. Like Dwayne Haskins had only played a mm-hmm. year. He needed to stay in school. Yeah. But Stroud, I think, with, with two years of being able to play and assimilate into that system, 
and probably learn from some of the mistakes that other guys made. Right. Uh, I think that he'll be good. What do you think? I think it's going to be – I like Bryce Young a lot. I know everyone is worried about his size. He's been that size for as long as he can probably remember, and he knows mm-hmm. how to Since handle six. And, and manage his ability to play the game. So <laughs> I, I really like see, um, Bryce Young. I'm not a, I'm not as big a fan as everyone's hopping on the uh, – Will Levis and Anthony Richardson bandwagon. Yeah. Um, Hendon Hooker does. Had he not gotten injured, I really would have liked to have seen what he was able to do. Hopefully, he may end up being a first-round pick in, in the end or, or second round. Did you guys see like the controversy with C.J. Stroud too? Somebody yeah, came out. Yeah, did you see what was that? Brady so, Quinn. Yeah, Brady said Quinn. He didn't go to the man. He, 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 he blew it off. Yeah, he said he blew off the Manning Academy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, said that he supposedly how, blew off the Manning Academy. Well, really but then, Brady Quinn. How would you blow off football royalty? Yeah. Do we A, do we know that that happened? B, if it did, it's one camp, yeah. one day. That yeah. doesn't mean you're a terrible person. You don't know what took place. No. It's ridiculous. Well, and then somebody else came out and said that basically it wasn't true that he never actually committed to it. So who knows? But yeah. honestly, the Titans, if they do, I know that you, you showed me a prediction that somebody said that they're going to trade up and go get him. If they do get that, believe me, they've made worse decisions. I can tell you <laughs> first firsthand they've made worse decisions. Did All right. Locker? Uh, yeah. Oh, you didn't like old Jakey, huh? Oh. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a long, long list. All right, so take it or leave it. This is also kind of a call to action for the Cardinals. And I, I've been really big on this because we've seen across Major League Baseball, a lot of the teams have their certain home run celebration that they're doing now, and a lot of them are using props. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals need a giant pepper grinder for their home run celebration in the dugout. If you guys haven't seen what I'm referring to, the Brewers have the cheese head. The Mariners now have a trident, which is incredible. If I like that <laughs> one. The Cardinals need something, right? Had... I feel like that's also a nice like energy boost. What did the Angels have? Was it like a, a samurai hat? Oh, they had a samurai hat. Yeah. 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 I'm with you. I, I'll agree 100%. Especially Baseball. for a young team. Baseball is a long season. You got to find things to... Goofy things that keep you uh, motivated, mm-hmm. engaged throughout yeah. the year. And apparently, everybody's—I don't know where this came from. Why this season? Why everybody's using all these different props? I know that last year the Cardinals had like the small pepper grinder. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened to that, but I'm talking about like a immediately just giant one. They gotta find something. I, I think you know teams imitate one another. So when when I think it was Miami that came out with the, uh, the, ch- the turnover, ch- chain? turnover chain, then you got t- yeah. teams with the turnover belt and you know, crowns and you got you you know, it's imitation. People find different maybe, things. Maybe maybe to encourage base stealing, they need something for the base stealing as well. Uh, well that'd be good. Hmm. Giant prop you get for that. Like, too. Get, like just, the, uh, just get the, Mike Leak on the team. Like the, oh. <laughs> Or Brett Favre. (laughs) (laughs) Matthew, what do you got on the old text line there? Take it or leave it. The Cardinals go three and seven on this West Coast swing. Leave it. Yeah, I'm going to leave it. I said seven and three. What are you doing, Texter? What's going on? I'm going five and five. They're not sunshine and lollipops on this Friday. It's it's Friday. Why wouldn't you be? We did have somebody who was positive. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals step up against these West Coast teams on this swing. I'm going to take that. Take it. I'm going to take it. I'm a little worried. Why are you worried? I because think- they're because they're 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 two of three of the teams are are very good rosters that aren't playing very well right now, and it just seems like it's a nice time to break out. As are the Cardinals, Rock. I'm I'm, I'm aware of that, but I'm, I'm much more focused in on the Cardinals' problems than I am the Dodgers or the Mariners. Mariners, which is okay. the Mariners under everyone's underperforming, and the Dodgers 
might not have a great lineup beyond their big name hitters. Don't have a good lineup. Short beyond their big name hitters. Bets. Yes, yes. That's a really good play, man. Randy's a big yeah. Randy's a big fan of that. Uh, take it or leave it. Walker's in the two hole by the end of the month. Yeah, I'll take it. Oh, I'm gonna leave that. I don't think he gets to two. I think he'll be six. Six, maybe. Do you like Wilson Contreras in the two hole, or you like left. him at, in in at five? I like him at five. So it'll be six or two for him. Ideally, you'd like to get Dylan Carlson hitting. As a switch hitter and hit him second. Last couple of days. You don't think that that experiment is yeah. almost done? He had, a, he had a double left-handed yeah. uh, against, the, was it the Pirates? Yeah. 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 Big hit. Take it or leave it. There should be a 101 mix-up day where the hosts all switch shows. Take it. That would be cool. That would be. They threw out Brooke hosts with T Mac, Randy hosts with BK, and CD hosts with Ferrario and Rivers. CD, oh. Ferrario, and Where's Rivers. Anthony? Would yeah, no, is is put Stalter in there. <laughs> we'll put Let Stalter Anthony come Brooke. in in the morning, and, yes, and yes, we can go, go work with Anthony. And the, okay, well, we, we, I'll go with Rivers, and we'll we'll you gonna put together a lineup for us? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say I'll work with Anthony. Oh, oh, I'll work with Anthony. You follow all the hosts here, don't you? Ah. Uh, <laughs> take it or leave it, Brooks. Only one golf lesson away from beating Rockio. I'll take that. Oh, I'm going to take that easily. You know what? You know what they told me is that Rockio hasn't been showing up to his golf lessons. Oh, is I that scheduled right? one since my trip? All right. Well, that sounds like you're falling behind, and I'm no, I'm definitely falling to behind. Get better. I'm not, you know, I'm not CJ Stroud out here with the passing academy. Is all I'm saying. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up, our friend and the long time uh, voice of the Cardinals of their PA setup and of course the longtime DJ at Casey John Hewlett has announced his retirement coming up in a couple of weeks and he's going to come by our studio and we're going to talk to him about an unbelievable career next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Melody and John Hewlett had to know um, because he had to kind of craft how he was going to introduce me, which I thought he did a great job. He's so good on the mic, but he did a, he did a great job of kind of making the surprise even cooler, you know? Please remain standing and remove your caps. Performing today's national anthem, one of the most up-and-coming singers from right here in St. Louis, kicking off his final season as a player in St. Louis, number 50, Uncle Charlie Adam Wainwright. What a great, memorable event and note on opening day of 2023. John Hewlett announcing that Adam Wainwright was going to sing the national anthem. And what a what an unbelievable event that was. John Hewlett announced earlier this week on Casey that after almost 47 years, he's going to retire. And he's kind enough to join us here in studio on 101 ESPN with Brooke and Carrie. You, man, great to see you, and congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate that, yeah. Well, actually, I'm semi-retiring, so I'm still <laughs> going to be around, but uh, just not every day in the mornings uh, anymore. And we so. should know you're going to keep the Cardinal gig. Oh, yeah, keep the Cardinal gig and uh, the television show with Fred Bird and, 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 uh, and Brad Thompson, and, uh, and then I'll fill in on the mornings over there when they need somebody, and I'll still do my Sunday morning and uh, specialty show things and work with clients and things like that. 
So you have to tell us. Give us the background of keeping that secret, knowing that you were going to announce that Adam Wainwright's <laughs> going to sing the national anthem. Tell us everything of leading up to that. And were you nervous keeping that secret? Well, it was easy for me because they didn't tell me until, you know, they showed me the script like an hour before. <laughs> so, so it was a big yeah, secret. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I just couldn't text anybody or say anything. And I, I wasn't going to do that anyway. So. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it was. I was shocked when I saw it. I went, well, "You're kidding me!" Mm-hmm. First, I thought they were just, you know, pulling a prank on me, you know. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, and then, uh, you know, when when it when I knew it was going to happen, um, uh, I, well, I always get a little nervous before, you know, opening day ceremonies because you know it's it's a it's a big deal here in St. Louis, and to be a part of it and follow in the heels of people like Jack Buck and. And Mike Shannon, who used to always do the, the opening day ceremonies. I mean, and then what fell on me eventually. And I was like, you know, uh, it was a great honor and responsibility. So I always get a little nervous before I before I even go down there. And so that was an added aspect to it. Yeah. Yeah. John, you've been doing radio for 47 years. Uh, where did the na- nickname You Man come from? And, and how long ago did you get that nickname? Uh, that was uh, 84-ish, something like that, 84, 85. I was working with a guy named J.C. Corcoran at the time at Casey, and he came in from out of town, and um, he you know, turned St. Louis Radio on its ear with the way he, he approached doing the morning show. And, and uh, uh, the show took off, and ratings were very good. And he said, uh, you're, you know, just using your real name, which is what we always pretty much did on Casey. Mm-hmm. Everybody used their real name for the most part. He said, we got to jazz that up a little bit. And he just started calling me you, man, and mm. it stuck. You know? I've been, so that was, it's been 40 years almost. Wow. Yeah. Tell us about the first time you cracked a microphone open on Casey. Oh, well, well, because I was coming from small town radio. So, Mm -hmm. you know, sitting behind a microphone in a major market for the first time and you and you sit behind this gigantic control board that had knobs on it like this. My hands are wide open like this. (laughs) That's how big the knobs were on the control board. And you just felt the power of the of the um, the um, what do you call the uh, the. The, the technology they use to suppress the the sound uh, the compression compression yeah. yeah and it makes your voice sound more echoey and mm-hmm. bigger than it really is you know and and so I remember you know saying oh my gosh what you know this is this is this is not what I'm used to and so uh, all I had to do is open the microphone and say Cation ninety five real rock radio. And that's all I, that was it. So it wasn't much, you know, but, uh, but I was nervous just to get those words out. And then 47 yeah. years, has it gone by really fast for you? No. I mean, <laughs> you know, not, not when I think about the different phases and the different people I've worked with over the mm-hmm. years, you start adding all that up in your brain. He goes, yeah, it does feel like 47 years, but not a, <laughs> not a torturous 47 years or anything like that. You know, it was, it's been a fun and exciting 47 years. That little job there, I say little, I mean... To me, it just—it's it's something I've known all my life. It's all I've you know done since I was 19, be on the air at Casey in St. Louis. So um, that uh, that that job has allowed me to travel the world. You know, I've been all over. You know, Russia. Um, um, you know, y- Europe. Uh, uh, where else? Jeez, uh, the islands when we used to always go down broadcast mm-hmm. in Jamaica and and Bahamas and things mm-hmm. like that, and all over the country. You know, with different broadcasts. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads into what I was going to ask you. Is there a special moment or maybe a couple special moments during your entire career with Casey that just really stood out to you? Well, um, well, for, for, when, I, when I first got the job at Casey, I, I, I wasn't there long and I realized it was a special radio station uh, because the other station I'd been stations I'd been on. I mean, they were um, they were stations that 
didn't have an, uh, a following. They were just general radio stations that just played top 40 music or, or um, music that was not very interesting. Like I was at KZK, my first job, and we were playing elevator music, you know. And <laughs> so, you know, there wasn't a, a rabid listenership. But when I got to Casey, I realized that the audience um, was, was so into this brand new form of music that was evolving. And, and the station was underground and kind of uh, uh, mysterious in a way. And, and so, you know, that, that coolness factor of, you know, we're not mainstream. And, you, and, you, and, I, and I felt that right away. And I knew not long after that that I was at a really special station. I was going to ride this out for as long as I could. Little did I know it would be until 2023. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's pretty, pretty mind-boggling to me. So I, I stopped you in the hall the other day because I'm new, obviously still getting acclimated to radio, and I asked you, like, what is the hardest part? And Because mornings, waking up for me, was has been the hardest part of, of doing this radio. So what are you what are you going to miss the most, and what are you kind of like, oh, well, at least I don't have to get up <laughs> at yeah. 5, 4, 4, 35 a.m. To, to get to work? Well, that's the, really the only thing that made me decide to, to make this decision because I just got, I'm just tired of getting getting up early mm-hmm. in the morning, you know, even though they've cut me some slack in the last few years, I haven't had to be in until seven o'clock, right. but the damage is already done. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing it too long already. And so, um, so yeah, that to me is, is the biggest hurdle. And the thing I'll, the thing I'll miss the most is just being a part of a, a broadcasting team, mm-hmm. you know, day in, day out. And, you know, I, I don't know what that's going to be like, cause it's been so long since I've had not had that in my life. So we'll see. A couple you know, more things. I, for might, j- I might be knocking on the door here <laughs> for you guys or somebody. Oh, let oh, me come on in. in. Okay. Uh, John Hewlett heading into semi-retirement. Six World Series teams that you've been PA announcer for the Cardinals for. Yeah. And just so many great stories. The whole McGuire thing in 1998 and uh, so many great players, Hall of Famers. Are there a couple of things that stand out for you? And you're, you're obviously going to continue the PA. But in, yeah. in regards to sitting in that chair at the ballpark. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, we're lucky here in St. Louis that our team is always competitive or, or almost always competitive, you know, and that always makes the job interesting because, you know, you're not I mean, I don't know what the statistic is. I think you gave it to me, Randy, last year at the end of last year. The Cardinals had something like in the last since 2000, since the end of 2010, five games where they haven't had a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah. Where, 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 you know, meaningless games just don't exist down there. Mm. So that's always made it interesting. And, and then, of course, I mean, for me, I'll, I'll never forget game six of, uh, of the 2011 World Series, you know, mm. and then the nervousness for game seven, because you didn't want that to become meaningless if they didn't yeah. win at all, you know. Yeah. So that was, it was a scary day. Mm. Uh, seven. By the way, I, the. the do you remember after that home run? Because you always give the final stats, you know, runs to tears, mm-hmm. all of that. Do you remember doing that after that game? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, yeah, I mean, I think the, the crowd was going crazy. I was numb. I remember walking out of the stadium, and my daughter called me. Olivia called me on the phone, and and she said, "What a game, Dad!" And I said. Honey, I just can't believe what I just saw. <laughs> and I just remember walking to my car in a daze and everything was going crazy around me and fireworks and people screaming, yelling and drunk people having a great time and everything. And I was just in my own little world. I said, I, I just can't believe it. I just kind of went to my car, got in and drove home. Yeah. If, if you could go back and talk to 19, right? You were 19 years old when you came here to yes. St. Louis. Mm-hmm. If you could go back and just tell 19-year-old you, man, what all you would be able to accomplish, what would you say to him real quick? 
hold on tight, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to get crazy. It's going to get dangerous at times. I mean, I there was a time I almost lost my, my job there. The Cardinals fired me over uh, a, a prank that we played on the air one morning. And, and mm. uh, you know, so there were, there were plenty of ups and downs, but most of them have been ups and, and all the laughs and the, and the silly things that have happened over all these different years. And there, a lot of them are out there, you know, uh, in, in the Internet now. I uh, think people have, have put those things out there. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see a video that maybe we did like, 25, 30 years ago, and I'll say, I can't, you know, that's me? You know, <laughs> I, I actually did that? You know, I'm trying to raise kids here. You know, some of these things that, uh, that uh, were said on the air, uh, you know, not, not the uh, most mature behavior, let's put it that way. But a lot of fun along the way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And yeah. we always ran, ran into each other. We crossed paths at the ballpark before Hubbard Radio bought MS Broadcasting. But mm-hmm, yeah. One of the one of the thrills of my career has been able to have you next door and see you in the hallways. Oh, every and vice morning. versa, Randy. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, you know, your, all your years at, at CamelWax and and your knowledge of, of the sports world. I mean. I idolized you from afar. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you're you're an amazing broadcaster, and you got a good team here now with uh, Brooke and uh, and uh, Mr. Davis, and uh, you know it's it's I'm I'm happy for you. Well, congratulations! I know you're going to play some golf, right? I'm today. Yes, <laughs> today. Yeah, after May first, even more yeah. time, and you can yeah, just I'm get up working on my game. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for stopping by. We appreciate it, and congratulations. Okay. Congrats. Thank you, Carrie. Good to see you. Thank you. Brooke, thank you. Yes. That is the U-Man, John Hewlett, semi-retiring after 47 years. In case she, his last day will be May 1st. Coming up on 101 ESPN, how are the baseball rules affecting the quality of the sport? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's time. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. I'm trying to cater to the 80% that isn't fixated with baseball. And these rule changes, we're we're catering the sport to the people that don't love it yet, the people that aren't obsessed with it yet, and we're trying to bring in new fans. If you're already hooked, let's all go to Starbucks together. we got a caffeine problem. But we're trying to get other people in line at Starbucks. That's the key of these rule changes, and I I think we're all eventually going to get used to it. That's our friend Greg Amsinger of MLB Network. The MLB rules changes have had the desired effect. They have shortened games. They've enhanced action. Batting averages are up. More people are getting hits. There are just more good things happening in the sport. There has been a movement, and we'll hear from Adam Wainwright in just a moment, to have the clocks lengthened. Brooke and Carrie, as I watch the games, I really like the pitch clock, and I love the pace. I don't think that the pace needs to be slowed down at all. I don't think it's terrible if you would add five seconds, just five seconds. And I know that we'll touch on that. And Adam Wainwright brings this up as well. I don't think it, I think it would be beneficial more for the players because when I'm at home watching the game, of course, I enjoy it because things are going a little bit faster. You feel like the pace of play picking up. But sometimes when you're game and you're in the game and you've heard the players, most of them, I feel like, are saying just a little bit more time with the pitch clock would be beneficial. 
The reason that I don't is I, I go back to our Bob Costas interview on opening day when Tom Verducci went to the Kirk Gibson at bat mm-hmm. game one of the 1988 World Series, and that took less time than with the maximum for the pitch clock now. So you're playing in a huge World Series game, a do-or-die situation for Kirk Gibson, and they didn't have any trouble with it then in doing it in on the biggest stage, in being able to play the game within the rules that are in existence now. So that's why I'm fine with it right now. I'm I'm fine with it as well. I told you all that when I realized that there was a huge difference watching Team USA versus Team Japan, I was able to literally flip back and forth in between pitches to watch the the last two minutes of a basketball game where now you got to keep that that TV tuned into the baseball game and see exactly what's going to happen because you never get to see Shohei versus versus um, Mike Trout mm-hmm. if you're flipping back and forth because it's going to happen and it's going to be over. And so I think that baseball has done a really good job of keeping people engaged, making sure that you are seated watching the games because if you miss a if if you walk away for a few minutes, you're gonna miss some some valuable things that are taking place. So I like it. it. It's keeping people engaged and keeping us there in our seats. There was a doubleheader the other day that took less than four hours, which is in and of itself pretty amazing. And and if you are so, we all go to baseball games in the summertime. We know mm-hmm. that St. Louis is an extremely hot place. I don't necessarily want to sit. Now, if I'm playing, I'll be out there for three hours if I have to. But if I'm a a fan, I didn't I didn't understand this until I got done playing. My family used to tell me this all the time. You do not understand how cold it is sitting there <laughs> watching you play. We we love you. We don't want to sit there sometimes. It's hard for family. But if you're if you're a fan to be able to sit in the summer heat and watch a game and it's over in two hours and six minutes as opposed to two hours and 45 minutes, almost three hours, it does change the experience for fans. Well, here here's the debate where it's going to take a while because we're seeing how all these rules look, right? We're seeing the different things that are changing with it because the debate's going to be, okay, is this good for the fans, but is it good for baseball, the sport, the athletes in general? And that's what Adam Wainwright was talking to in regards to that. Here's the fact of the matter. And I think they'll make an adjustment because the game is almost too quick now. I really believe that. I think fans are are kind of wanting more, honestly, when they leave sometimes. You know, it takes almost longer to get into the stadium than it does to play the game at this point. But it takes no time at all between batters now. So innings are, on average, about two minutes shorter. So before, when you, when you send a pitcher out later in the game, maybe a sixth, seventh, eighth innings, you could kind of play that by ear. All right, we're going to go batter to batter. We'll have somebody warming up. You know, if somebody gets on or somebody hits an extra base hit or a home run or something, then then we can get so-and-so up really quick. But now there's no time to do that. So you have to have somebody kind of ready uh, and waiting for that moment when it happens. It's interesting because it does change the game in a lot of different ways that maybe you didn't think of initially. When the season before it started, I talked to Paul Goldschmidt. I just laid a blanket statement out there. I said, what do you think about the rules? What do you change going into the season? And the first thing that he brought up was the pitch clock that he thought what Adam Wainwright said, that they'll need to at least add five seconds. He says, we'll see how this goes, but I think that we will need to add five seconds to it. And I think what will happen is this will bring the manager back into the game. The manager like Whitey Herzog or Tony yes. Larusa that was thinking two, two innings ahead and yeah. didn't have to go off a script and be reactive rather than proactive. The good managers, the people like Tito Francona, the people like Buck Showalter, they're 
they're managing the game themselves. Brian mm-hmm. Snitker, they don't have to worry about a script. If you're working a couple of innings ahead or an inning ahead, you don't have to worry about time. If you're reactive, then you don't know how much time there is for a a, a replay or, or or to get a pitcher up. It, you should already yes. have it in your mind. And the pitcher, yes. by the way, Rick Horton always says, I knew every game we played, when, who I was going to face and at what point in the game I was going to face him. I, I was going to say, just knowing, having a feel for, you know, okay, our pitcher is, he's struggling now. You, you got a guy, I mean, you talk about what Jack Flaherty a couple of days ago, you give up a home run. Now you get up, give up a double. You're three balls in, you, you you might be walking this guy. I might need to get on the phone and say, hey, start warming up. Where it's, it's starting to snowball as opposed to, just watching it happen in real time, you gotta, you, you're gonna have to be, as you said, more proactive in certain circumstances and not be reactive, waiting for the thing to take place. You gotta be able to kind of foreshadow and foresee what's gonna take place. Go ahead, Brooke. No, I was just gonna. You can go ahead, Randy. Because I was just I was gonna just... say one thing that we thought was the elimination of the shift would uh, bring Matt Carpenter back into the game. It has not. <laughs> <laughs> Marp, 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 I think Mark might just be done. <laughs> well, and also he had a good run. Yeah, this this is what I was gonna bring up too because I showed this to you guys the other day. We might not be done with some of the rule changes as well too. So I want to get the feel that you guys have for this one. A designated pinch runner is something that they're looking at. They're going to test out in the Atlantic League. What do you guys think about that? Love and, it. Or I don't also like it. the double hook DH rule allows clubs to use the designated hitter throughout the game, provided that the club's starting pitcher has completed at least five innings. I love that. Uh, I, I uh, love putting the onus on pitchers to go at least five. Yeah, but if you get knocked around in the first, are you going to just say, you know, the heck with it, we're going to leave this guy in and let him let him finish out the next four innings? I think that's going to be the rarity. I think what they want to do is they don't want bullpen games. They want to bring the starting pitcher. With a rule like this, you want to bring the starting pitcher back to the four. Well, again, something that Costas talked about. How cool would it be? To back in the day, ten years ago, we would say, "Oh man, Scherzer and Kershaw are pitching. Let's go see Scherzer and Kershaw mm-hmm. pitch." Nobody is going to see Stephen Matz against George Kirby tonight. That you you want to see star starting pitchers, and one thing analytics have done is taken the star starting pitcher out of the game because teams are so dependent upon their bullpen. Even guys like Burns and Woodruff, who should be going seven, seven and a third, seven and two thirds. I want to see the. Uh, I want to buy a ticket to watch those guys pitch. Is it more because there's a a, a focus on velocity and and how hard you can throw, and instead of how well you can pitch? Like if you got a guy that is throwing 98, he's not going to be able to throw that for six or seven innings. But if you got a guy that is 92 with movement, he can he can probably last. Yeah. Greg Maddox could 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 give you six, seven, eight innings and not be completely gassed by the end of the game. I think that's part of it. But I think the biggest thing is is Jose can in game one of the playoffs last year mm-hmm. where they said oh well, he can't go a third time through the line that's a that's a poor decision by yeah, it is everyone but, there but that's an analytics decision because it's you're not going which with is, the eye test you're going with the math which is why you throw the analytics out of the window bingo and that's why I think having a pitcher go five innings and your team being punished for not having the starter go five is a good thing yeah, I, I think that it, it well, one, it's going to make the pitching mar- market for starting pitchers even hotter, right? Mm-hmm. After you hear about that rule, if that's something that actually gets implemented in the future. But I also go back to the designated pinch runner. Whose job do you think that that would save currently on the Cardinals? I would think, um, you guys remember 
The Cardinals had a couple of guys that were designated pinch runners. The they had guy last year. Brian Barton. Um, what was the guy last year that was an outfielder? What am I? What if I can't remember his name? Really fast guy. Uh, who was the really fast guy we had last year? No, I, I don't remember. I but remember. Here, let me give you the perfect example. And I was telling Max Sierra, but no, not Max um, Sierra. I remember. There was there was a guy that was a designated runner for the Oakland Athletics back in Oakland, back in the 70s. His name was Herb Washington. Herb Washington played in 105 major league games. 105 major league games for Herb Washington. Zero (laughs) at-bats. He stole 31 bases. He was caught 17 times. He never played the field. Uh, he scored 29 runs in 1974, four more in 1975. All he did was pinch run. And that brings that guy back into the game. A, a guy like uh, Billy Hamilton could stick around for a long time. Even though he couldn't hit anymore, but he could stick around for a long time because he could steal a base. Having that guy as your 26th man on the roster, if you're a smart team, I think it would be great if you had the designated pinch runner. I, and it brings athleticism back. It does. I, I'm trying to think about who currently... Well, you would say old Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, if if he can't hit anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Until he pulls a hamstring. Some people <laughs> some people texted in Ben Deluzio. That's who that's yeah. yeah, there you go. Yep. Yes. Yeah, play center field and, yeah. and run. Yeah, that'd be great. I like that idea. Another thing that a texter from the three one four mentioned, most of the pitchers are pitching with six to eight seconds left on the clock. I thought you would have kind of more gamesmanship with the pitchers waiting, you know, pitching fast one time. Now the next time you're pitching with one second left. It's not a lot of gamesmanship. It's almost like the pitchers haven't figured out, you know, that they can use the entirety of the clock to to get a batter off rhythm and and, and uncomfortable in the batter's But box. I think as a pitcher you want rhythm too. And that, yes. that helps your command. Yeah. Theoretically, they, they're always using every major league clubhouse. The pitchers wore T-shirts that said, work fast, throw strikes. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it was... Because if you worked fast, you were in a rhythm, you were more likely to throw a strike. Uh, I, I think you might see, maybe at some point, you'll see some more of the you know, the, the uh, gamesmanship going yeah, on I think at, so. at some point, especially as it gets later on in the season. No batter wants to stand in there when you're ready, set, and stand there for another eight seconds, and right. you're deciding when you're going to pitch because he's going to get antsy. And he already used his one timeout, so you got to sit there. So yep. Quick yes or no. Did, has Rob Manfred done well here with the rules changes? Yes. Brooke? Oh, yeah, no, go ahead. Yes. I think so, yes. Yeah, I agree, too. I, I, Matthew, you, you agree? Oh, uh, yeah. So we're four for four, that uh, I, baseball's better. I think you would just have to get to the games quicker and sooner is something that I and learned. Drink like beer when beforehand. I beer Yeah, I mean, you because you or don't want to get stuck in concessions. <laughs> also, there, a texter said this, and I was thinking about this yesterday, Randy, we were talking off the air. Got to get, get rid of the three-batter minimum now. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yes. That is today's Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN coming up. St. Louis City SC back in action this weekend, and we're going to talk to the MLS Season Pass Spanish language analyst, Marcelo Balboa. He's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the only way City knows how to play. Oh, that's completely given away. And it's an equalizer. In a word. Chaos. down City SC on the opening drive in our weekly segment we like to call Controlled Chaos. Brought to you by Keystone Event Staffing. Better people mean better events. Brooke, Carrie, and Randy, we are efforting 
the Spanish language analyst for MLS Season Pass, Marcelo Balboa, and hopefully we'll be able to make connections with him. St. Louis City SC playing at Colorado this weekend. The Rapids are 1-4-3 and three on the the season. They are, they're kind of scuffling. They're fourth from the bottom in the Western Conference. City SC with that resounding victory over Cincinnati last week. And... Uh, we're, we, because we're 6-0-2, are leading the Western Conference of MLS with 18 points, Colorado only with 7 points. Yes, it's a road game. Yes, it's a tough place because you have to play there with the altitude. But based upon performance so far, you'd hope that St. Louis City will have another good opportunity to come away with a W. Well, I think so. And what I liked a lot about that last game, there was many things to like, but it just seemed like they were getting back to their game, their identity. And there was a lot of different players that stepped up too. One person I look at in particular, other than Jared Stroud, who had a fantastic game. He was a big reason why they were able to get that lead in the first half that pretty much decided everything. I also look at City SC defender Johnny Nelson. I think that's a name that's really emerging. In that game, he got an assist on one goal and created another for City SC. And that was really, really huge to see his game emerging as well. But there's just so many different guys that names that you're seeing pop up. By the way, that that was Johnny Nelson facing his former team. So there was kind of a lot of, he said beforehand, he made some comments about how he wanted to beat his former team. And you like to see that from these players too. Just that fieriness, that competitiveness. And I felt like you got back to that in that game. One thing I wonder is, is St. Louis City SC going to be able to play their game in the altitude? The, the way that Lutz describes it, and it's great. He says, we get to the 65th, the, the 75th minute, the 80th minute with some teams, and they just don't want to play against us anymore mm-hmm. because we're relentless. I wonder if with the altitude, it'll be tougher to play that relentless 90 minutes that they play. Well, we talked about it with the Cardinals going to Colorado a couple of weeks last week. When you're playing in that altitude, it does something to your body. It it it's not an imaginary thing. And I couldn't imagine, you know, football is a is a short spurts of, of running. It's it's five seconds back to the huddle, maybe eight seconds back to the huddle huddle. Uh baseball is not even that much running unless you, you get a hit a ball in the gap and you're going to second base. Soccer is constant. It, it, it is it is nonstop running. So I, I do wonder if that has an impact on on how well or how 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 well they can perform and how much they can play their style of game, that attacking style of game that they like to play. And we've gone, by the way, now three games without Santa Claus scoring a, a, a tally. So it'd be nice to get him back on the beam. And I know that he's marked differently now because he's perceived as a threat by the rest of the league. But because of his style of play and because he is your offensive star, you need to him get him going. And three games is not a disaster. He still leads the team with, with five tallies, but it would be nice to get him back on the score sheet tomorrow. And I think you have to remember, it, when you when you talk about the altitude and things like that, they played Real Salt Lake in Salt Lake City, and Good they point. won 4-0. And if you look at the numbers that we, that we look at, tackles, interceptions, progressive passes, like the things that they've dominated when they've won games, they're about – average for their season what they did there they pulled back a little bit and I think maybe they kept pulling back even after they got out of the altitude and that's why they lost those two games mm-hmm. so I'm hoping the mentality change doesn't completely affect the games afterwards because I think we saw already the rubric of how you play in the altitude and I think it'll be successful it was it was just a really really good game overall I mean you had five different players with multiple goals and I also to Kyle Hebert for him to get back 
I mean, that was that was mm-hmm. huge as well, especially after representing Team Canada. It just seems like things are clicking really well for him. And I understand, you know, the altitude and how that can affect things. I wonder in the NFL, didn't they have like oxygen uh, yeah. for some of the players yeah, that you, weren't used to that? Yeah, you would. Yeah, we all weren't used to it. So, <laughs> <laughs> you, but you're going you to bench every possession. Yeah, you would yeah. go over to the sideline after a series and and get the oxygen mask. Again, I thought it was a a fake thing. I was like, oh, it's not that bad, and I was having trouble breathing. I thought it was more mental yeah. than it actually was physical, but it, it is a physical thing where, you know, after each series, even in warm-ups, like, you feel like you're not able to take as deep of breaths as you're accustomed to or, or getting as much oxygen as you're accustomed to. It's just it's just a different feeling, and you eventually adapt to it, but it, it, it is a shock a little bit to the system. Yeah, I, get, I can see that for sure, too. Also, Randy, you failed to mention this. There's a whole other reason that we would like to beat Colorado. Oh, yeah. The the Cronky factor. I'm surprised that, you left that one out. Well, it was coming. Stan and, was, and, and Rock. Yeah, Stan and Rock. They're, that's their favorite team. <laughs> hey, 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 Tanner's also on my side. Oh. oh so you're just recruiting people now. Okay. I'm not, happy, I don't like I'm not happy about it, all right? I got a question. Do you all like the uh, the MLS nicknames? Like Colorado Rapids is, is it's all right. just okay? You don't like the Houston Dynamo? Dynamo's okay. Yeah. I mean, I just like the fact that they are different than like bears or lions oh, yeah, yeah. or tigers or, you know. I actually like that better I than I, I like lions the, and tigers. Uh, the trying to steal the European football club or soccer club. Okay. Not that I hate our the name. The Philadelphia but... Union. Yeah. I think it's some, some... Kansas City Wizards is 10 times a better name than Sporting Kansas City. It is. 10 mm. times better. Yeah. You like wizards, do you? The New England I'm just Revolution. saying it was a better a name. name. New oh, England Revolution. I, yeah. There you go. You Columbus know Crew. You know who, yeah. Who would you rather right. play for, LAFC or the LA Galaxy? The Galaxy. Oh, no doubt about it. No I'm just saying. Chicago Fire. See? That's a TV show. But why the... That's a TV show. <laughs> that's a TV show. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Colorado only with one win this season, and they only have five goals. That's the fewest goals uh, second fewest goals. Only Sporting KC's only scored twice all season, and that's the one win. By the way, that Colorado has is over Sporting KC. So it's not a team that scores a lot. They've allowed ten. Only three teams have allowed more goals in the Western Conference than the ten that Colorado has allowed. So this should be a a good game for Berkey and the aforementioned Klaus should be able to get back on the board because they just are not playing at a high level. And it's amazing to me, pleasant. I like it that the uh, St. Louis City SC expansion entry is having the level of success that they are, and the Cronky the team that has been around forever is not. I think that that is nice. Maybe they haven't adjusted to the altitude yet either, even though <laughs> that they're based there. Yeah, yeah. And I know that uh, it's happening over at SC because they all listen. This is a big game. This is Cronky Kron- sucks. So th- this is a, a big match, I should say, for the boys, as Coach Carnell calls them. No, this 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 team is is so St. Louis it hurts. Apparently, Klaus and Stroud, when the uh, tornado sirens were going mm-hmm. off, apparently they were like walking, they were like going outside of their house to watch the crazy weather. And I'm like, if that's not the most midwestern mm-hmm. St. Louis thing I've ever heard in my yeah, entire you should, darn you life. Do that. No, you should, no, but that's but that's what midwesterners do. We go outside on the, and we watch the weather. No, not Why? all of us. Well, some yeah. of us do. <laughs> I'm a, I'm, I'm a watch the weather fella. I go sit I'm out a, on the porch. I'm a listen to the sirens and wait for them to stop type of guy. I no. don't. I don't necessarily. Need, I don't need to see what's coming if I if I hear and, and everyone is telling me to sit inside. I don't. I, don't I grew up too confident that that a tornado would I'd never actually be able to survive yeah. in St. Louis City. Oh, okay. You know how that I works just, out for there's, you. There's just a lot of buildings, Randy. In my entire life, I've been thinking, eh. 
That's fine. Unless it touches down directly on my street, I'll be fine. Yep. If that happens, it'd be a pretty good picture. And by the way, if you didn't hear it, the uh, <laughs> men's national team is going to compete at City Park for CONCACAF for 2023. June 28th is when the U.S. national men's national team will be playing here, and uh, you'll have the opportunity to see that team right here in St. Louis, which is going to be pretty cool. And I do want to uh, tell everybody, the game this match. weekend, on, match this weekend on Apple TV Plus <laughs> is one of the uh, free matches. So even if you do not have the MLS season pass, you can go to the browser version or just go, I think you can just go to your Apple TV uh, app if you have it on your phone, and you can watch the match completely for free. So Good. And you can download it and watch it on your TV, too. Yes, that too. So somebody texted this, and I think this is a very good point. I think people underestimate how important having Klaus, Berkey, and other others a part of City 2 and in St. Louis for most of last season versus arriving in January. Agreed. I think that uh, we're seeing that. I mean, even so with this, Lewin and Hebert were both on the score sheet for the second time this season. St. Louis has five different players with multiple goals in the MLS. Can you guess who some of those guys are? You have Klaus with five goals, Klaus, four assists. Hebert, Nico, um, Lewin. Nico. Joachini, yes. Leuven, and uh, Parker. Stroud. Oh, Stroud. Did you already say Sorry. Stroud? No, I did not say Stroud. Jay Stroud. Jay Stroud. I like and Um with and one goal and, and two assists. Jeez. We're rocking. We are. It's I a mean, balanced attack. That's the important part. I think. I think you're right. I think I can see Klaus. Getting a goal in this yeah. one. We're breaking out again. Tomorrow, 8.30, St. Louis time, available free with the MLS season pass. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got the fight. Do we have a fighter for the fight? We do. Ha- we need a fighter? Yeah, we, Randy, need, a fighter. we need a fighter so, every yeah. day. You you forget well, what you do at 8.30. Well, no, because some days we, we, people actually text in and text the word fight to 314-399-9646. Sometimes they don't, and so we need one now in the next few minutes. It's not because you just beat everybody. You just forget that, that you know. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. The beatdown is next. <laughs> uh, he said it, not me. I'm 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. to the opening drive. I am Kerry Davis joined by Brooke Grimsley and it is time for the fight and our fighter today is Sheldon. Sheldon, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys today? Doing wonderful. Are you ready to take on Randy Carricker on this great Friday that we have here? Absolutely. Beautiful Friday. Let's get it. Let's go. All right. Who beat out Mark McGuire for the NL MVP during the home run chase and his record setting 70 home run season in 1998? Was it Barry Bonds? Ken Griffey Jr.? Or Sammy Sosa. Uh, let's go. Let's go with Barry Bonds. Which future Hall of Famer did the Chargers select after trading down from the number one overall pick in 2001? Rodney Harrison, Drew Brees, Ladanian Tomlinson. Uh, can you repeat the question? Which future Hall of Famer did the Chargers select after trading down from the number one overall pick in 2001? Rodney Harrison, Drew Brees, LaDainian Tomlinson. I'm going to go with LT. The NBA Kings franchise has been quite transient 
being based in five different cities slash states. Which East Coast state did they play in? Pennsylvania, New York, or New Jersey? Mm. Uh, Total stab in the dark. I'm going to go with New Jersey. Which Major League Baseball franchise was the last to relocate to a new city? Montreal Expos, Kansas City A's, Washington Senators. You said most recent? The last, yes. Which was the last to relocate to a new city? Uh, I'm going to go with the Expos. All right, we'll double check that score and bring in Randy Carricker. All right, Sheldon, how, how do you feel? Not great. Not no. great. It, it was there one question in particular that was, uh, well, I think the King's question might have been a little bit difficult that you said it was a stab in the dark. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was by far the hardest one, but we'll see. All right. Well, Megamind just walked in. He has his diet Dr. Pepper. Uh, oh, that's Thanks to my friends at Dr. Pepper. They always help out during the uh, Randy Carricker Golf Tournament. They always provide the, the drinks, and there's nothing like a cool, refreshing diet Dr. Pepper before the fight. How long did you go without drinking co- uh, soda? It oh, was like three, two, two months? Four months. Was it four months? Yeah. Oh. I, I could do it again if I put my mind to it. I mean, clearly, Randy. Yeah. You can do anything. It's, it, here's the thing. <laughs> okay? So, as you can tell, I'm a little bigger than I should be. If you just stop drinking soda, you're going to lose weight. Okay. You know, that's, the, uh, that's the key to success? Yep. Well, the, the keys to success are stopping drinking soda and starting drinking water. If you do that... The pods are going to melt away. I've learned that stopping eating also helps. It does, but the thing is, the the problem with that, though, is that you you have to start eating again at some point. Yeah, well, there you go. You do have to do that. I guess. Randy, say hello to Sheldon. Sheldon, good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. Good morning to you. Good. How old are you? I'm 28. So you're a young Sheldon. There's a show about you on CBS. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Is that the first time you've heard that, Sheldon? Oh, no. Nope, and it won't be the last. <laughs> time for a knee slapper. It's Randy Carricker's dad jokes. Oh. All right, Sheldon, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right, Randy, here we go. Okay. Who beat out Mark McGuire for the NL MVP during the home run chase and his record-setting 70 home run season in 1998? That would have been Sammy Sosa, Sosa, Sosa. Which future Hall of Famer did the Chargers select after trading down from the number one overall pick in 2001? 2001. Well, you could go two ways here. In the first round, okay. Uh, They took LaDainian Tomlinson with the fifth pick in the draft, I believe, after they traded Michael Vick to Atlanta. They also took Drew Brees, who's not a future Hall of Famer yet, but he will be. And he was the first pick in the second round. Well... He is a future And they also fan. got in that trade that little white wide receiver that could really run from Atlanta. Um, oh, what Tim, was it? Tim, Tim, Tim Dwight. Tim Dwight. Good call. Yep. yep. He went to Iowa. Oh, yeah. I remember so him. Then he's a fit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> All right. Where else, where else would he have gone? <laughs> the NBA's Kings franchise has been quite transient, being based in five different cities slash states. Which East Coast state did they start playing in? Uh, New York. I think it was the Syracuse Nats, if I'm not mistaken. Syracuse is in New York still, right? It was then. It is in New York. Okay, good. Okay. Which Major League Baseball franchise was the last to relocate to a new city? That would be, I believe, the Washington Nationals, who moved from Montreal for 2005. We are not officially including Oakland to Vegas here. So I'm going to go with Montreal to Washington in 2005. 
We have a winner in today's fight. No need for a tiebreaker today. Was Young Sheldon able to use that great brain of his? I hate myself for that joke. Just ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis. With the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. All right, sorry, Randy, by the way. Randy did hit the jack. He beat Sheldon today 4-2. to two. I'm very sorry, Sheldon. Oh, it's all good. Thanks for, thanks for letting me play. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We love having you on. Thank you. Let's go through those questions. Who beat out Mark McGuire for the NL MVP in that 1998 season? It was, in fact, Sammy Sosa, the future Hall of Famer that the Chargers selected after trading down from the number one overall pick to the number five overall pick in the first round was, in fact, LaDainian Tomlinson. The NBA Kings franchise has moved around a lot. You got the state right, and this is kind of why I phrased the question that way because I thought, who knows all these random states, uh, random cities in New York. They actually started in Rochester as the Rochester Rochester Seagroves oh, eventually the changed to the Rochester Royals. Then Cincinnati, in the NBA. KC, Omaha. Uh, KC itself. Yeah. Alone. In so the, Missouri and then Kansas City. So uh, did I miss one? And then obviously California. Yep. What yeah, was Omaha. the other one? It? It was, so, New, so New York, Cincinnati, uh, technically Omaha, yeah. Kansas City, and then Sacramento. And, uh, but you've and been, never won a championship. But yeah. Was, um, mm. So the state of New York. I wonder why. Hmm. Hmm. Which MLB franchise was the last to relocate? It was, in fact, the Montreal Expos becoming the Washington Nationals. And that is a 4-2 win for Randy Carricker. Again, thank you so much for joining the show and joining the fight today, Sheldon. And he's off. That's all I'm doing today. That's it? Yep, that's all. On this just, Friday? Just two? Mm-hmm. No, no, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not, just sorry, Sheldon. We're on to Cincinnati. Yeah. There we go. That, that's there we go. That, that's me. <clears throat> Did you? Uh, Matthew's looking for one here. He's looking for something for me. Is he, where, where is it? He's, he's asking. <laughs> so uh, I poke bears. I poke bears. Uh, I poke bears. <laughs> hey, that's going to be my new drop. I poke bears. <laughs> that's, what I want. that's what I want at the end of every show now. <laughs> hey, in the athletic, Jeremy Rutherford has given his grades to the Blues forwards. We'll give you his grades. And a lot of people didn't like his grades. I, I think Jeremy's pretty much on the mark. But we'll give you uh, what they were next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. In the Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider and the Blues beat writer for the Athletic, has his grades out, and now he's got grades for everybody. Uh, the defenseman, the goalies, the coach, and the GM after revealing his list of grades for forwards yesterday. A couple of things. Number one, I, th- I think that as a, somebody who was a bad student, uh, I, I totally understand the, the incomplete. I think Nola Chari and Sammy Blay, who both got A's, uh, in their time here, I would I would agree with that, but I think I would go incomplete. I'm fine with giving Ivan Barbashev a B minus because I think the outlier for him was 21 22. Uh, it wasn't we shouldn't have expected 26 goals from him, so I think B minus was fine. Alexandrov getting a B, 
I, I really didn't expect much from him. Logan Brown, a D, just because he was hurt. I, I agree with that. Tell me if there's anything you agree with. I don't, I don't think Tyler Pitlick was that great relative to expe- expectations. <laughs> he was what I would thought he would be, but a, a B-plus for Tyler Pitlick. Here's the thing. If Tyler Pitlick is a B-plus, then your team probably isn't in the playoffs. Hmm. The yeah. way he played. I think I, I, I would have probably given uh, Pavel, Pavel Bujanovic an A minus at the worst. The only thing that he went against him, in my opinion, was the injuries. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that would be maybe time off with, uh, you know, just not enough games, not enough assignments turned in, so to speak, uh, that <laughs> yeah. would give you the B plus. <laughs> right. But I, I, other than that, I thought he did. I, th- I thought he did a fantastic job. The Ryan O'Reilly with a D grade was interesting to me. Obviously, got traded, um, you know, at the trade deadline, but. D for 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 him. I think if that's the D, I think that's probably why the team was, you know, struggling in the manner that it was. You know, just kind of the up and down season that they had. And I would argue that he was a victim of circumstances mm. playing with Kairou, who at the time he was playing with O'Reilly. O'Reilly, I thought Kairou left the most to be desired of his entire season. He, he O'Reilly was done no favors at all by being paired with Jordan Cairo early, and that led to his massive minus numbers. But the other part of it is, is O'Reilly is four years older than he was in 2019. He's not the same player. We even saw it last night for Toronto. He's still a very effective player, but not a, a, a top-line guy. And when you have expectations of him being a top-line guy, I think that's, that's unrealistic. So... If your expectation was that he was going to be a top, uh, top six and he was what he was, then I think D is fair. Well, so here is Jeremy Rutherford's explanation in The Athletic for the D for Ryan O'Reilly. Whatever the reason was for O'Reilly's slow start, it snowballed and it was not a good season. After tallying 37 assists in the 2021-22 season, he had seven in 40 games before this trade, his trade to Toronto. He also logged a lot of minutes on the power play and PK units, which were dreadful. And as a captain, he shouldered a lot of the blame for not corralling the locker room issues. Hmm. Which, as we know, Braden Shin did say that it started mm-hmm. from the beginning of the season. It's really surprising because Ryan O'Reilly was the one who spoke to the media the most right before mm-hmm. his trade. And he would. He's the type of person where he was never, which, I mean, you don't see many players just outwardly saying, I need to see more from this guy, this guy specifically, or anything like that. He would take a lot of the blame himself. And it seemed like Ryan O'Reilly was really hard on himself right before the trade as well, too, where he was shouldering a lot of the blame. And it seems like there was probably some frustration that he wasn't getting to his game. And I, But I do think mm-hmm. with what you're saying, him and Kairou playing together just did not seem to work. And you'll want to read today's missive in The Athletic. Tory Krug gets an F. An F. He said, Krug's analytics are better than the optics. Of the Blues' top four defensemen, he had the best five-on-five expected goal share, and his goals against per 60 minutes were nearly identical to Falk's, perhaps because they played 600 minutes together. But back to the optics. There were a lot of unmarked slot shots on his watch. Also, the power play, his specialty, was awful. So Krug is graded an F by Jeremy Rutherford. Nick Letty gets a D minus. That's almost an F. Uh, first of all, Letty is miscast as a top pair defenseman. Jeremy writes, if he's going to play top pair minutes, as he did, there's got to be a shutdown aspect to his game or offense, and there was neither. Nico Mikola got a C minus before his trade. Colton Pareko got a D minus. It's almost an F. Uh, <laughs> almost. It, it, that's, that is yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, Callie Rosen. It's Callie Rosen. A plus. A plus. A plus, plus, plus. Yep. Marco Scandella got a B in the time he played. Tyler Tucker got a B minus. Binner got a B. 
But then we get to the coaches. Craig Berube, D. Mm. Doug Armstrong, F. Coaches in front office. Uh, He writes about Berube. I gave Berube an A-plus last season, and it was well-deserved after his team put up a tough fight against Colorado. This year was nowhere close to that. True, Berube was dealt tough cards with contract situations and players pulling in different directions, but it's his job to manage it. Few on-ice adjustments worked, and in the end, assistants were fired. So that's his read on Berube. As far as Armstrong, he said... I also gave Armstrong an A-plus last year, and this time he's at the other end of the scale. The players didn't perform, but he put the roster together. His visits to the Blues dressing room to straighten things out never resonated, and the lengthy contracts he has handed out are haunting the Blues. Great work at the deadline, but that was cleaning up his own mess. Yeah. Woo. Jeremy Rutherford. Is not, he is not holding back. <laughs> Literally in the break, I said he is not making friends with this one. But also, what I like about... JR as well is that he's not going to put something out there that he wouldn't willingly discuss mm-hmm. with Baruby and with Armstrong and he's had those lengthy discussions with them as well too. I don't think it's any secret. You heard what they were saying in like their postseason wrap up. They knew that this was a really really bad season and it had a lot to do with what he explained. Doug Armstrong and the cards that he dealt to Craig Baruby and Craig Baruby didn't do at times the best with sorting out those cards. For me, I I think, you know, you can always look at management. You can always look at coaches. And and I've said this time and time again, the guys on the the ice, the guys on the court, the guys on the field are the ones that have to perform. They have they are the ones that have to perform at the level that that warrants that time. And the only thing that as a coach you can take away if guys aren't doing what you're asking them to do is take away the time. You have to you have to pull back the amount of time that they're playing, the amount of time that the the amount of opportunities that they're getting. And if there was one thing that if you were to give Baruby and Armstrong a D and an F, that would be the one thing because you had to pull back the time. I understand the contracts. I understand, you know, the the young stars, the guys that are on the rise. But if they aren't performing to the level and holding themselves accountable to the rest of their team, then you have to pull back the amount of time that they're on the ice. Yeah, I mean, you would hope that if you give a guy a big contract that, or anything like that, or with your team and your players, because they are, they're NHL players, they want to play in the league, you're hoping that they play for the team that they are on, but at the same time, it just seemed like the players would not rise to the occasion. So some message was dropped. As we talk about, we talk about philosophical differences with the Cardinals, some difference came about, and this is a stat that I just, I think, shows the glaring difference between the two seasons in the 2021-22 season, the Blues allowed the 11th fewest goals per game in the NHL. This season, they allowed the sixth most. Yep. And those are a lot of those guys, a lot of the same players. And a lot of those players were playing in the offensive zone and scoring 20 goals. And this year, so much of the game was played in the defensive zone. One other note about Baruby and Armstrong. I don't know who hires the assistant coaches, but I assume it's Doug Armstrong. I never have looked at Craig Berube as a great X's and O's guru. I have looked at him as a guy that gets players to play hard. And it's incumbent upon, in my opinion, his staff to provide the X's and O's. And nothing you could do about losing Jim Montgomery. But they did ineffectively replace him. And I do think as well, and I mentioned this before, that... When you have Petrangelo and Bo Meester and Carl Gunnarsson, and you walk in, as Mike Van Ryan did with those guys, they're pretty established in their ways, and they're already very good. I mentioned it a million times. Canada used to, with a one-goal lead and two minutes left in a game, 
Canada's Olympic or World Championship teams, they'd have Bo and Petro on the ice. So a lot of people could have coached that group. But you lose Bo and Petro, and then all of a sudden you're charged with making people like Dunn and uh, Jake Wallman and, and Nico Mikula better, and it just didn't happen. So whoever hired the assistants, McTavish to replace Montgomery, Van Ryn, probably wound up doing... An ineffective job. Those guys, in their time, Craig McTavish was a terrific coach. Mike Van Ryan was perfect for working with veterans. But when you're when you're in a position now with this team, you have to do a lot of teaching and players getting better. And we just didn't see, especially the defensemen, getting better individually. Your job as a head coach, if you aren't an X's and O's guy, you got to find a guy that is. Mm-hmm. And if you are the X's and O's guy and not really a guy that has great relationships, then you got to find a guy that does those things. It is your job as the head coach to make sure that whatever areas that you're deficient in, you find people around you, you hire people around you that are able, capable of doing those things. And and if you had to fire two assistants right after the season, I mean, literally the day after the season ended, you, you probably didn't do a good enough job in finding guys that complemented the things that you didn't do well or don't do well. Well, and, and like you said, it is still on the players at the end of the day, but somehow the message just was not resonating with them. And that is deeply concerning. Is that something that was with the assistants as well? They talked about it on the fast lane, Jamie Rivers and Anthony, where they kind of brought up sometimes the message Mm -hmm. that the coaches have kind of goes stale with some of the players, especially if you have this new wave of youth kind of coming through the blue system now and what they're moving forward with. Maybe that message can go a little bit stale, but whatever it was, it was not resonating with those players that we have seen how they can perform. And that is concerning. Yeah, it's it's normal for the message to get stale from from coaches to players like you get Mm -hmm. you get sick of hearing your coach saying the same thing over and over again. But he's generally saying the same thing over and over again because you're not performing or doing the things that are being asked, which is why. It's important for your teammates, the leaders of the team, to be able to uh, give that same message, but in a different way, a a more team friendly way, depending on who you're speaking to. And and if you don't have that leadership on the team, if you don't have a coach that is great at at, at explaining or expressing the things in the manner in which you can understand it, then you're going to run into the situation that they had this year where you're not having the success. You see all of the talent and you see glimpses of it, but you don't see it consistently. And you're just left frustrated. Like, why in the world can't this all come together? And one other note about the coaching staff, guys. The last time Craig McTavish had coached was in the American Hockey League in 2012. This is a completely different oh, game wow. than the yeah. game he left. And so I'm, I'm guessing that he was probably trying to coach a 2012 game, but two, 2023 is a different animal altogether. It is. I mean, the game's much faster. We're already seeing like how they're kind of adjusting the rules to where they don't want as much of kind of like the wear and tear with the fighting with the players, right. too. I mean, there there's a lot of big changes that are happening in this game. And you even look at Jordan Cairo, you know, a young player. He did have a, what was it, a career-high 37 goals, which is is amazing when you see it on a paper, but I think what we're seeing too is, yes, the individual play was good. The team play needs to be better from him. No doubt. And I wonder, I don't know if you take, do you have the guts to have Holly talk to him? You don't think Holly's already tried to talk to him, maybe? Holly never really got in, even though he did wind up being a penalty killer. Holly never really applied himself, and I shouldn't say never, Holly didn't apply himself heavily in his early career defensively. 
What would he say? Yeah. You'd say, I just scored 86 goals. What do you want? <laughs> so maybe that's the message. Hey, kid, score 86 goals and you can do whatever the hell you want to do. <laughs> it's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, our Rush Hour Reset here on the opening drive with Brooke Carey, Randy on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Rush Hour Reset. Brought to you by... Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. In St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, and officially licensed Rolex Jeweler. It is the opening drive here on 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley, Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, and Randy Carricker. And we've got stuff going on. There's stuff happening in this studio. <laughs> okay, Brooke Grimsley, what do we got going on? I'm standing over here in the corner next to the mic, and we do have some breaking news coming in right now. Now, this is fresh into our studio, and it looks to be delicious cookies have entered our studio. I am already salivating, Randy and Carrie. Oh, my gosh. Oh, those are are big cookies. uh, Oh, oh, okay. Sources are telling me that we also have cheesecakes, too, underneath here. Where are these from? And there's sadly a Mizzou emblem, Carrie. Crazy, unfortunately. Z-O-U! Just kidding. Uh, but yes, from Sedano Bistro news. and TJ TJ's Burgers and Wings. Is that where we got it from? Is that that correct? I yep. I Sedano, so. Sedano Bistro and TJ's Burgers Burgers and Wings. We thank you. Oh my God. Immensely for the the gifts that were dropped off today. Thank you so much. Carrie's uh, diet's ruined. I, and that is a huge ruined. cookie. That, that, what is that? An M M&M and M cookie over there? Carrie, sources are telling me that there's a cinnamon toast crunch cookie. There is a chocolate with M and M's cookie, and also my favorite, a birthday cake confetti cookie. Oh. Sources are telling me that this is going to be a happy Friday. Back to you guys in studio, Randy and Carrie. Thank you. The news voice. Uh, the, the Cardinals are going to open a series tonight against the Mariners in Seattle. Steven Matt's going for the Redbirds. He'll be opposed by the young right-hander for the uh, Seattle Mariners. Uh, his name is George Kirby. He's 1-1 one one with a 3.78 earned run average. And the Cardinals will try to build upon a stretch in which they've scored eight runs a game in their last three games. And hopefully they can get Matt's back on the beam. 0-2 with a 6.48 during the regular season. The Seattle lineup probably does not bode well for Steven Matz, unfortunately. Uh, they, they're they a good hitting team. Yes, they, they've struggled, but I'm kind of uh, concerned about uh, the well-being of Steven Matz for tonight's game. Well, I think we start with, you know, not walking and putting runners on, yep. not putting yourself in a position where um, you know, there are stressful innings. Let, let's get, you know, a pitch to contact, allow our defense to, to do their job, but let's not, you know, beat around the bush or, or, or just nitpick around the strike zone. Let's get to it. Let's get after them and not put guys on. If you do that, you don't have any, many opportunities to, uh, to offer up many, to, to give up many runs. 
By yeah. the way, they will see Wonger tonight. Wonger, if you weren't aware of it, Colton Wong is a member of uh, the, the Wonger. Uh, I miss him. I do too. He's he was great. great guy. Great guy. Yeah. And they have their superstar center fielder, J-Rod, who leads off for them all the time, Julio Rodriguez. Wonger hit second for them, and then Ty France took over. Uh, Eugenio Suarez, the former Red, is their number three hitter. Cal Raleigh, their hard-hitting catcher, usually hits fourth. They picked up Teoscar Hernandez during the offseason from Toronto. He's a great hitter. Jared Kelenic is turning it on in left field. The agent for Jared Kelenic connected him with Mark McGuire and they did Zoom hitting sessions and Mm. Mark says Kelenic has kind of figured it out now and then uh, Tommy Listell is on their team Uh, they have Caballero at shortstop and J.P. Crawford plays shortstop as well for them so that's a pretty good lineup they've got a lot of good hitters I think Look, I think this could be a really really big chance for the Cardinals to kind of build up some momentum the Seattle Mariners are also, they're going into this one with a three-game home slide, so that's a little bit interesting. But you've also had the bats of, I'm looking at Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Gorman. Nolan Gorman has been fantastic, and I want to see him continue that. He is 11 for 35 with three doubles and three home runs over the last 10 games. Paul Goldschmidt doing MVP-like things. He has six doubles and two home runs while hitting 313 for the Cardinals. Pretty good. Yeah. MVP? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I, I don't know. I just have a feeling, guys. I have a feeling that this could be a really good road swing for them. There we go. Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. Agreed. Whack. Agreed. Uh, some other news for you. Last night, the shortstop, well, former shortstop of the Padres returned from his performance-enhancing suspension? You, it, you can't really call it a steroid when he was just trying to kill a ringworm, can you? He just you? had yeah. ringworm. What is wrong with that? I don't understand what the problem was. Guys, <laughs> give the dude a break. Mm-hmm. When's the, wait, I, I, don't, I feel like I don't know many people who've gotten I, ringworm. I, not you? in the last no. 10, 12, 15 years. That... Maybe <laughs> children at daycares. Yes. I feel like I, I vaguely remember my 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 oldest daughter. She's twenty. She'll be twenty one this year. Having ringworm at at one point in daycare. <laughs> uh, that was. 15 years ago? Fernando, is, he, he went 0 for 5 and struck out a couple of times <laughs> and then said it felt amazing. Uh, so, good. That's a, good for him. It's a shame the Cardinals don't see them on this trip. I'm uh, glad he got enough time to get the ringworm out of his system. Yes, because it's contagious. Yeah, it you is. don't want to spread that. That's why he was taking those products so, so uh, intently. By the way, guys, Juan Soto <laughs> is hitting 183 with a 757 OPS. You uh, glad he's not... I, I think I'd rather have Gorman and Walker at this point. Okay. I think I, I would. And uh, news from the NBA this morning, Nick Nurse fired as the head coach of the Toronto Raptors. Of course, he led them to the championship a few years. Well, I think we can say Kawhi led them to the championship yeah. a few years ago, and Nick Nurse was along for the ride. He, but, he was. Him and Drake were, were in the same position. Yeah, they were exactly. pretty much sitting in the same spot. <laughs> <laughs> the boxing one was Nick Nurse's idea. Oh, yeah. And I that, think, I, I think that, that, that might have happened before in basketball. I, I, no, I, 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 you know what? I think I, his conceptual idea <laughs> okay. using it in the NBA. You know so wonderful the about... league hadn't been used it, in, in 30 so years. Because it's never, because it's never yeah. been used before in yeah. basketball. Not in like 30 years oh, it had been a long you don't time think in the NBA that people had used a box and one throughout an entire playoff series against another NBA team it had been but 30, 40 did, years but he did not invent he didn't invent the box and one okay no. just but make sure we get that clarified it, he deployed it in a genius way okay well, but he is not he didn't play one minute 
him and Drake oh. sat in the same spot. They were they were sitting there together. They were standing there watching the game together. You know what's going to happen is this game is is going to evolve, <laughs> and like in five years, somebody's going to run a triangle offense, and Rocky's going to say, that that new that offense. Hasn't been, "Look at that offense! It hasn't been done in twenty years." <laughs> oh, yeah, unbelievable! And by no credit, uh, by the way, Nurse apparently wants the Houston job because they're going to get uh, the European Wembley. And of course, he I, wants I that job. I, that blows my that, mind. They're one of the one of their like players you're supposed to build that team on. Jalen Green is has gotten actively worse as a basketball player the last two years. Well, that that, that happens when. You, so here's the thing: when you are playing on a young team and you are not playing meaningful games, you create and pick up bad habits. Absolutely. And so he has been allowed to score twenty points, twenty five points, doing it and in, in meaningful and meaningless time. And so now you have these bad habits that are, you know, you're going to get a coach in there and and he, you're going to be expected to play meaningful games at some point, and you're not going to know how. And so, one, that, one of that's the what happens. Ime Udoka is the favorite to take over for Nurse in Toronto. Oh, he's going to get another job. Yeah, he almost had one in Brooklyn. I don't know why that didn't happen. Uh, what happened said there? that they were working towards that, remember? Yeah. yeah. And it didn't happen. A While he was point. still working or being paid by the Celtics, yeah. I thought. Because he, yeah. he was suspended. Right. He wasn't fired. Right. Has so. he been fired yet? Have they actually they terminated his contract? Him, yeah. yeah, I think, I think Missoula got the... Got yeah, the, I know, got but it, they took the interim yeah. off of him. Okay, and, and yeah. so I think you have to fire Udoka to okay. do that. I just and he made pretty good coach. We did get a point from the uh, six one eight that wrestlers get ringworm all the time. So oh. maybe Fernando was wrestling, that and we just be. didn't know. Yeah, they, wrestlers it, get everything. It's, it's a filthy mat. Yeah, yeah. broken it's backs. A, <laughs> did you guys see that video of that kid in Illinois punch like another wrestler <laughs> in the after face he lost. after he lost? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd have been another fight. Yeah. Been another fight. Yeah, so this is not pro wrestling. Come yeah, on, yeah. kids. It's a different it was, it was it was thing. And also, it's not legal in Missouri yet to have bare knuckle wrestling. No, we would have been uh, <laughs> both going to jail for bare knuckling it there. <laughs> <laughs> that is the Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN coming up. NFL news and notes on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. St. Louis City SC takes on the Colorado Rapids tomorrow. It's an 8.30 game St. Louis time that you can see on the MLS season pass on Apple TV. And one of the great analysts of MLS on Spanish language broadcasts is Marcelo Balboa. He was a national team defender and a captain of the U.S. national team and joins us now on 101 ESPN. Marcelo, great to have you with us. How are you this morning? I am good. I'm so sorry. I got my times mixed up, 8.15, 7.15, but I'm here. I made it. <laughs> and that's all that matters is that you're here. Uh, l- let's start with this. We'll, we'll get to SC in a moment because uh, they're off, obviously off to a surprisingly great start. But what's going on with the Rapids? Why are the Rapids struggling? Um, they've made a lot of changes. Uh, from last year when you lose your striker, Zardes, who scored 10 goals, uh, Rubio's just coming back off an injury. So there's been a lot of uh, rotation in this group, and it's going to take them a little bit of time to get their feet underneath them. But, uh, you know, we've seen what they can do last year and the year before that. So, again, you don't win a championship or you don't make the playoffs in the first five or six games. So they're building into something, hopefully, that uh, 
that will make them uh, a playoff uh, run, hopefully. Well, now going back to City SC, I know that Randy said that it felt like it was a surprising, really good start to the season, but it felt like they were really, to me at least, building towards this. What have you thought about their early success that it was really nice to see them break that two-game losing streak and get another win here? Yeah, it was nice. The tornado two-and-a-half-hour warning was awesome for us. So. <laughs> <laughs> now listen, um, I think they surprised a lot of people because when a new franchise comes in, you're not really sure what, what they're going to be able to put together. Um, they picked up quite a few players from other teams throughout the draft. They complemented it with Klaus. And, and just you, you look at that Leuven and you look at the players that they've brought in and you think to yourself, man, this is not a surprise. The way they're playing, they believe in each other. This is a group that fights for each other. They believe in the coach. They believe in the system. So I don't. It doesn't surprise me now that I've seen it in person. Marcelo, you played six years in in Colorado, and we were talking earlier about the altitude and how of much of an impact that can play on opposing teams. How do you how do you uh, think that it'll impact St. Louis City this weekend? Well, we talked to the coach yesterday, and the coach said they don't think about it, they don't worry about it, because they went to Salt Lake and got a result. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, listen, the honest truth is the later you come in, the better. They're going to come in tomorrow, tonight, late. So it's going to be less than 24 hours in the game. So it won't affect them as much. But I'll tell you this, the first five or ten minutes, you until you catch your second breath, yeah. you struggle. And then once you hit about that 70th, 75th minute, your lungs, you feel it, your legs get a little heavy. So you do feel it. So it's going to be important for them to stay compact and to and to be able to make sure that the gaps between the lines are nice and tight. Marcelo Balboa from Apple TV and the MLS season pass with us on 101 ESPN. Marcelo, what's the most impressive thing to you about what SC has been able to accomplish so far? On the field or off the field? Which, on the, on the field. Want? Well, let's let's go with both. <laughs> let's let's start with off the field. One, I'll say this: uh, when I played with the national team. St. Louis was the hub. We played and we trained at uh, St. Louis Soccer Park. We played our World Cup qualifiers there. So what you guys have done with the stadium, with the ownership, with the training facility is first rate. And, uh, and to be able to say you've got more than 30,000 season ticket holders and people in a waiting line is absolutely what we've been dying for in this, uh, in this country. On the field, what I'm impressed with is how organized, how disciplined this team is and how quickly – when they get the ball, they're a very offensive-minded team and become a very dangerous team to the opposing team. Well, and I was just looking at your Twitter account at Marcel Balboa17, and I saw where you were in town, and it looked like you were even hiding at one point from the, from the storms. What was it like <laughs> dealing with that weather delay and coming back and seeing, uh, I mean, just fans ready despite how late that game started? Uh, one, I've never been in a tornado warning like that. Two, I got yelled at for going outside and taking the video. But uh, what I was impressed with is when the game was getting ready to restart and you looked in the stadium and it was three-quarters full. That doesn't happen in a lot of places. So the dedication the fans have, the willingness to stay uh, was fantastic. And you know what? On that night, the players rewarded those fans with a 5-1 win. Marcelo, when I'm looking at this standings, uh, the table, the Western Conference, St. Louis City is atop of it. They they were, but going into the season, they were picked to finish 13th, 14th. How likely are they to stay at the stay at the top of the table and continue this run uh, throughout the season into the playoffs? Uh, listen, it's difficult only because in in MLS it's such a long season. We go all the way till October, November. We got a nine month season. 
injuries come into effect. The summer schedule comes into effect when you start playing games at 1, 2 o'clock. Um, listen, uh, if they pick up a few more players, like everybody, pick up a few more reinforcements while the window opens up, uh, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to stay at the top. But you'll see them drop to second, to third. They'll climb back up. It, it's a long season. It's very difficult to stay at the top of the conferences for nine months. Marcelo, as we mentioned, you, you played on the uh, U.S. national team and uh, had a lot of success with them. We're going to see the current national team here in town on June 28th at, at City Park. What do you think of the program right now? Oh, listen, I think that it's, uh, it's moving in the right direction. We had a huge hiccup in 2018 by not qualifying, so they revamped. They went out and bought youngsters and, and found youngsters. And I think we've got a very solid base. It's unfortunate what happened with the bird halter and the, and the uh, cardio arena situation. Uh, but now we're in the process of looking for a coach that can lead us into the next World Cup and hopefully have the experience to, to get us out of the group stage and into at least a quarterfinal, semifinal stage. And you played at the highest level. What do you think of the young athletes that are playing the sport in our country now? Um, thank God I'm not playing now. (laughs) (laughs) They're very athletic. They're very gifted. They're very technical. The opportunities these young men and women have right now to be able to play in Europe, to play overseas, to have a league where they can play nine months out of the year is something that we didn't have. So, um, it's fun to see how technical these players are. And the nice part is, is the part of the globalization of soccer here in the United States. The fact that teams from Europe, scouts from Europe, are coming here and looking at the American players first is is something we've been waiting for for a long time. And then last thing, from a broadcasting perspective, uh, now every game is on MLS Season Pass. It's an Apple TV production rather than having all the local productions. And it seems like this is a move that the MLS makes to uh, get closer to what the NFL model is. Not that they're going to be the NFL, but from a national standpoint, how's everything going with the, the Season Pass? No, it's great. Listen, when you can globalize our sport and you can see it all over the world on Apple TV, that's half the battle. When you can watch all of the games on one channel before you'd have to click around and go to different local channels, everything is based on Apple, Apple Plus, and it's fantastic for for the fans. It's fantastic. I've got family in Argentina that can see the games and hear hear their their nephew do games. So it's, it's pretty cool with the season pass and Apple TV. Marcelo Balboa, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Enjoy city, seeing SC tomorrow, and we'll do this again soon. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Marcelo Balboa, he is the uh, A Spanish language analyst for MLS and their season pass package. By the way, tomorrow night's game on Apple TV is free, 8.30, St. Louis City SC at the Colorado Rapids. Coming up, we will have NFL news and notes for you here on The Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to The Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for some NFL news and notes here on 101 ESPN. And let's start with the Miami Dolphins. Tua Tagovailoa, who missed a lot of time last year because of concussions, actually says that during that season, he thought about calling it quits. I considered it for, for a time. 
um, having sat down with my family, um, having sat down with my wife and having those kind of kind of conversations, it would be hard for me to, to, to walk away from from this game with how old I am with with my my son. I, I always dreamed of growing, you know, playing as long as to where my son knew exactly what, you know, he was watching his his dad do. It's, it's my health. It's my body. It, you know, I feel like this is what's best for me and and, and my family. So, I mean, I, I love the game of football. You know, if I didn't, I would have quit a long time. This is exactly why you have to protect the players because we, and I mean me also, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do dumb things. We don't really care about our health at times. And the fact that he considered t- retirement is is should be a sign to the Miami Dolphins that you may have wanted to go in a different direction. They, I know they picked up his fifth-year option. It's going to be interesting to see. They're going to have to keep him protected because – if you get another, if once you start getting concussions and in the manner that he got them this past season, it's possible that he's going to get another one and be in the same situation that he was in last season. Kerry, it's not possible because Tua told reporters that he spent time this offseason learning how to properly fall in a way that will protect his head in the future. Yeah, because that matters when a 330-pound defensive lineman throws you to the ground. That okay. was extremely scary last yeah, it, season. It, it, it was it was terrible. The finger to see. one against Cincinnati. That was awful. The one the week before, the later one. <laughs> yeah, I mean there, that's the thing though is that there there's multiple, multiple instances. Yeah. And he also said during the press conference too. They also told me CT wasn't going to be a problem. He I guess he spoke with some <laughs> neurologists. Neurologists. Oh it's God. only when you're constantly hitting your head against something. Oh, so no, fullbacks are okay. Which I mean I. Correct me if I'm wrong, CD. That happens in NFL, right? Your yeah. head is hitting something. Well, this is why when Rock brought up his uh, quarterback helmet statement, how how they're going to protect quarterbacks from concussions, seven percent more, uh, preventing them. I laughed because they aren't the ones that really get hit over and over again. It's offensive linemen, it's linebackers, running backs, fullbacks. Those are the positions that are constantly, you know, banging into people. Mm-hmm. But in Tua's case, if you are have already suffered multiple concussions, the concussions that like you said, his fingers were twisted and, and unable to control his body in a manner. That should scare you. It should scare the Dolphins. It should be a concern for them, knowing that if it happens again, mm-hmm. it, you, you may be looking at a guy that says, okay, enough is enough. And, and at some point, I don't know when, our bodies have a, a cap on how many hits it can take. Nobody knows that number until you can't take anymore. And, and then it's too late. Meanwhile, at one point, Allen Robinson was a really good receiver in the NFL. Just in 2020, he had 102 catches, 1,250 yards, and scored six touchdowns. Back in 2015, he led the NFL with 14 touchdowns and had 80 catches for 1,400. Your Steelers, our Steelers, yeah. acquiring Allen Robinson from the L.A. Rams. Yeah, I don't care. I, just, I say that respectfully. He's going to be thirty when the season starts. Yeah, but it's not. It's not about the players. It's not about. It's about the scheme. And it's the bad about offensive coordinator. It's about what plays are being called. If you're not going to impact the middle of the field, if you're only going to throw shallow crossing routes, uh, man beater routes, and, and teams aren't playing constant man against you, you're not going to have much success offensively. If you don't figure out a way to get uh, Najee Harris running the ball downhill. Under center, those are, are are that's the style of running game that they need to have, and they need to be able to play action off of that and find some ways to get receivers open. Doesn't Coach Tomlin have a responsibility to go to Matt Canada and say get her done? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he has. I, I think, you know, there was uh, multiple discussions thinking that Matt Canada wouldn't retain his job after last season, but he did. And so I'm, I'm, this may be a, a, a last opportunity, last-ditch last, ditch, last ditch effort for him to get everything fixed in that offense. And like I said, you it starts with the running game. If Najee Harris, who is supposed to be one of the elite running backs, had an outstanding career at Alabama, he's come in. He's, he's a guy that you want to be your workhorse. Let him run the ball downhill, play action pass, five-step drop under center, get in shotgun, do be multiple in your offense, but don't be predictable. They are they have been so predictable, you know, these last few years, and it's it's frustrating to watch them offensively. Guys, as you know, I appreciate creativity and the ability to monetize situations. Why Calvin Ridley didn't become a spokesman for FanDuel or DraftKings, I have no idea. But <laughs> during his suspension, he just kind of sat out. Now he's gonna come back with the Jags with Trevor Lawrence. And he thinks that he can be pretty good. I remember my first day I walked in, there was no one in the in the locker room, but I was just like, wow, I'm really back in here. And so I just I'm just really grateful to be in this uh, position again and around some great teammates, great quarterback, great coaches. And like I said, the second day, third day tomorrow, it's, it's been amazing for me. They say two years off, but what about the, the healing process that I got to be with that with that time off? How what about what if I got faster? What if I got stronger? Obviously, I got wiser. Why, why can't I be better? So I, I kind of look at it like that. Obviously, you know, two years off, I got to go through I mean, the tightness, the leg tightness. I got to go through all the, 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 the crap. But, I mean, I, I, I see myself being a good player. I do. It, it, it could be either way. I no mean, camp. the fact that <laughs> no, no, you can come back after two years. Well, you could come back and, and, and not and be good. Well, he, last year was not an injury year. It was a suspension because he made a poor decision. He, he gambled on on games, uh, his own game, I think, and didn't gamble enough to make more money than he was making playing. So he wasn't really, he did get wiser, obviously. He made, he realized the the error in his ways. I do think if given the opportunity, that's going to be a, a, a really good offense down there in Jacksonville. Yeah. They got the running game going. They got, you know, they got a lot of weapons and, and are able to do multiple things. And Trevor Lawrence is going to be a guy that can get the ball to multiple guys I, I like what Jacksonville did in adding him because if he's healthy and, and ready to go, he's going to be a good team. That's what I was going to say, too. I mean, it, that offense is starting to look pretty good, especially yeah. if he can do what you think that he will do. He had some time off, hopefully to reflect on things and stuff like that. It seems like he's in a good mindset, and I'm interested to see how that works with Trevor Lawrence. As a Titans fan, it does scare me a little bit, a little bit seeing the Jaguars starting to do a little bit better. It seems like Trevor Lawrence is trending in the right direction, too, because the AFC South, I feel like, is so easy to mm-hmm. win. So yeah, easy it, to win. It, it is because you you're looking at Houston. You got your your Tennessee Titans and it's Indianapolis. Just like nobody Coast. wants to win. Indianapolis ever. hadn't <laughs> had a quarterback in a while. <laughs> yeah. So you know, with with what the the additions of of Jacksonville, they already had Christian Kirk, who played. You know, came over last year from the Arizona Cardinals. You re-signed or or franchise tagged uh, Evan Ingram, who had an outstanding season last year. As I talked about the running game with Travis Etienne. You're adding Calvin Ridley. You got three guys offensively as receivers that you got to figure out how you're going to cover those guys. And you got a great running back in the backfield that you can hand the ball off to, dump, you know, swing passes, get him the ball in space. They're going to be really good. And Zay Jones caught 82 balls last year. Christian Kirk caught 84 to lead them. Zay Jones had 82 and five touchdowns, so they're loaded offensively. Yes, they are. a really good offensive staff. And those are NFL news and notes for you here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch of this week of the opening drive with Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back 
to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Let's rock and roll. Here is Matthew Rocchio. And let's give a shout out to uh, some, some of my favorite people. Listen, we were talking about these treats we got uh, from our friends at Sedona Bistro and TJ's Burgers and Wings. But then I, I was I was trying to, you know, I was putting on a little Twitter post because they, they made a sign for, for rock and roll that I think is really awesome. And I want to give them some credit for that. And so I was trying to find their Twitter accounts. So I was looking up where these places are. Sedona Bistro is in Cape Girardeau, and TJ's Burgers and Wings is in Jackson, Missouri. So these oh people made a God. drive to drop off these treats for us. So again, thank you very much. I just thought that was really cool of them to do that. Very nice. Thank very you nice. very much. Nice. I mean, the, the cookies. Oh. oh. Carrie, you're mid. You're mid diet right now. Can you describe what the cookie it, did to you? It, it, did your knees it, buckle? It kind did your of knees put buckle? me in a sugar shock, like a. a, a <laughs> comatose type of feeling like I was just really over here and Brooke was kind of laughing at me I'm like I'm 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 out of here I'm <laughs> that it's a sugar high you shut her down huh yeah I'm shut her down I'm good I'm good to go I feel feel amazing which one did you eat? euphoric it, it was kind of a sensation one. that went through my my body I, <laughs> I don't know it was it's pretty good you're a transient being now <laughs> yeah I'm just I'm just a here I'm a shell of myself <laughs> Speaking of somebody else who was pretty happy, Randy made a little mention to Mookie Betts and the Dodgers, their new shortstop. And I really like this because I just don't think when we think about professional athletes, we think that somebody changing a position is going to get them really excited. But if you listen, if you look at some of Mookie Betts' comments, it was like a dream come true. I got drafted as a shortstop and hadn't seen it, and hadn't seen it play since 2011. I'm just happy we won. And then later on in the game, he turned to uh, bottom of the eighth. Uh, Patrick Wisdom hit a ball behind second base. Betts ranged over there, picked it up, stepped on second, and then turned the double play. His comment about that was, I grew up doing this, so it's not new to me. It's just new to everyone else. I <laughs> just You don't expect that kind of excitement from a superstar just changing a position It's like pretty that. cool. Greg Biggio played catcher, center field, and second base and enjoyed it all, and he got really excited too. But this is like little kid baseball where yes. the best guy plays shortstop, yeah. and Betts has been playing <laughs> the outfield for such a long time, and now they decide, well... Our Gavin Lux is hurt. We don't have Seager anymore. Our Rojas is slashing like some 189, 200, 200 or something like that. Why not move Mookie in there? And what you do, you, you just let your best guy play shortstop. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like it for personally. I'm a fan of Mookie Betts because he's from the su- same area that I grew up in. And I'm telling you guys, I just remember growing up and the legend of Mookie Betts of like, hmm. this guy's really talented. Everybody has. To, I also grew up in the same area. Jalen Ramsey was mm-hmm. kind of in the same area as well. And I'm just saying, (laughs) but I'm just saying that Mookie Betts was so good at every little thing. Every little thing. And by the way, too, he just came off the paternity list as well. Mm -hmm. And so for him to get reinstated in that way, coming off the paternity list, he's just a really, really good guy. Great bowler, too, by the way. Right, yeah. You see, I I was going somewhere with a name drop because I wanted people to know that he's Mm -hmm. a great bowler. But you would have beat him in tennis. I don't. I don't even think I would have beat him at tennis. He seemed like he was the type where he could pick up any sport and he would be amazing at it. He's great for baseball. He really is. I think Rock, when you're talking about guys playing different positions, it's the the best part of sports. Like when you get to go out and 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 do something that you normally don't do. Norm usually is like messing around in practice. Uh, but you know, I asked Coach LeBeau one time. Hey, I'm you know I'm not. We're not running a lot of fullback sets. You think I can go play a little safety, a little outside linebacker? I, I would. Yeah, I, I just let me rush the quarterback. I in 
The Pittsburgh Steelers scheme, strong safety, inside linebacker, or rush linebacker? Which one are you playing? Oh, I'm rushing the quarterback. Outside. Really? Oh, yeah. The, the, oh, yeah. the, fact, that, the fact that Mario Williams was able to show you what long-arm pass let rushes let me, can do didn't, didn't deter, wouldn't deter the you from that? The advantage I have is they're 6'6", six, six, and I'm 5'10". I'm going to get lower than them. As long as they don't get their hands on me, I'm quick. I'm getting lower, get lower than them, and I'm going to get to the quarterback, and I'm going to cause damage when I get there. What was Coach LeBeau's, uh He's like, ah, response? Nah, you're a fullback. You're gonna, you're gonna stay on that side. <laughs> I'm like, all right, you know. I mean, you, you, if you don't ask, the answer is always no, Rock. So That's you gotta great ask. Advice. By the way, um, when you said that he was from Nashville, I had no idea. But now looking back, the guy's first name's Mookie. I probably should have been able to guess that he was mm-hmm. that he that he wasn't from like Boston or like, San Blaylock Francisco, from? California. Where's Mookie Blaylock from? I always. Yeah. I figured him as like a New York guy for some reason. No, Mookie Blaylock's from Garland, Texas. Is he? And oh, Mookie's, Texas. Again, see, Mookie makes sense coming from Garland, Texas. Okay. That makes sense to oh. me. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. Didn't know that. Brooke mentioned this off the air. Uh, Max Scherzer officially is going to, it will not appeal his suspension. He has been suspended for 10 games by Major League Baseball for finding an illegal substance. They also decreased his fine, though, from him pulling his appeal back from $10,000 to $5,000. Are you surprised that Scherzer isn't fighting this? Apparently, the Mets said told him it would be better for the team if you just took the suspension now and let it go. He is a noble, classy, accountable St. Louis, and so I have no <laughs> surprise whatsoever that he's not going to appeal this suspension. Uh, Max is aware that he inadvertently defied the rules of the game as they are right now suggested by the MLB rulebook. And so he, he's just going to take it. He's going to say, sure, suspend me for the rosin and sweat. I'll, I'll deal with it. But next time... I'm not going to have that stuff on my hands because I'm going to not be as sticky. Yeah. <laughs> he won't get himself into a sticky mess anymore, no, right? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm a child. I automatically went to like Home Alone, and when the wet bandits became the sticky bandits, they mm-hmm. were, that's Max Scherzer, New York, you know, sticky bandits. He's, he's, he's one of the guys. I wonder if Max thought, because of who he is, that they wouldn't throw him out of a game. I wonder if he thought, oh, the, the umpires, they don't have the guts to throw me out of a game. The fact that you said that made me remember this one. Phil Cuzzy, the umpire, is the only one to throw a pitcher out since the new rules. He's thrown out all three people that have been ejected during the pitcher checks since the rule got impl- implemented. He's the only umpire to throw somebody out all three times. So if you're picking someone that isn't going to throw you out... Probably not no. the crew to do it. And the crew chief there, Dan Bellina, was the guy who stared into Mad Bum's eyes last year. While <laughs> <laughs> well, doing a, a check. That was so strange. That was uh, that was I, awkward. I, I would have messed up the Mad Bum for a long time. You looking at? It, oh, you're saying that that's <laughs> that, the that's reason? What that's what happened, yep. By uh, the way, you got DFA'd. I feel like we should we mention should that. We should probably mention that. We should probably mention that. We did that, didn't we? Wilson Contreras did broke him. That. Yep. We did that. Yeah, for the moment. He's going to the Rangers, and he'll oh. pitch great for Bruce Bochy. <laughs> I was just about to ask which which te- which playoff team picks him hey, up. Hey, Mike Maddox will fix him. Okay. How do you think the reaction would be if the Cardinals did sign Mad Bum after what just happened? I think the Cardinal fans probably would say, why is getting this guy? He stinks. He has, for the last year and a half, been the worst pitcher in baseball. We're starting pitcher. So, yeah, it doesn't make much sense. If you have enough guys, and the Cardinals are, Brooke, you mentioned that Memphis has won 10 in a row. That means they're getting starting pitching. Cardinals have enough guys that if somebody goes down, 
and they're getting Adam Wainwright back. If you're playing, fine. if you're playing on a terrible team, sometimes that helps with you being terrible as well. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not playing on a on, if you're not playing with good guys, like and not good guys in terms of people, but I mean like just not a good team. Your play tends to you all kind of gel together and yep. form this terrible group of people playing the sport. Here's the scary thing: if you're the Giants or the D-backs. The team that's best, even better than Tampa, at resurrecting pitchers who have sucked is the L.A. Dodgers. Hmm. And if the Dodgers mm-hmm. pick him up, I guarantee you that he'll pitch well for them because everybody does. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'm worried about the Dodgers knocking out of their little 500 funk against the Cardinals in a week. Rock. Just, just want to throw that. I'm going to ask a favor from you. All right, yeah. What's up? Can we, can we have some optimism? positive? Yeah, just every now optimism. and then. Not, not, I don't need it every day because clearly that might be asking too much. But just every <laughs> now and then, just a little bit, just sprinkle it in there. So, so like when Randy says, when you, when you do give a hundred percent, it comes as a shock to mm-hmm. the rest yeah, of us. Yeah. So just a little bit of optimism every now okay, and then, so and we would, uh, we would be, yeah. we'll feel better. Matthew, here's what I'm thinking. If, if I'm a Dodger fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang it. We got Flaherty. We got Arenado. We got Goldschmidt. We got Edmund. We got that rookie, Jordan Walker, coming to town. We have no chance against those guys. Mm-hmm. I hope we can salvage a game. If, I, if I'm a Dodger fan, there I hope know. we can salvage a game against the Cardinals because they have more good players than we do. And if you look at the rosters, the Cardinals have more good players than the Dodgers do. That's so, that's positive thinking, yeah. sir. So uh, That's how you do it, Rock, in case you were not taking notes. Sunshine lollipops? Nah, you don't believe Cardinals in that. go seven and three over the next ten, over their ten game swing. There we go. Hey, it's not gonna happen. Matthew, uh, see, you couldn't. Wow, they didn't even last a second. You couldn't even go three seconds. Couldn't do it for three seconds. <laughs> Matthew, Kerry, Brooke, here's all you need to know. All right, Mookie Betts moved to shortstop, right? <laughs> Paul DeYoung would start for the LA Dodgers right now. There you go. That's all you need to know. See? <laughs> nah, now, now, where are you at with your with your uh, negative Nancy opinions, Rock? The Cardinals <laughs> oh, will still be below five hundred when they come back from the West. Oh, that come is on. terrible, man! <laughs> in fairness, if they go six, if they go six and four, if they go six and four, they will be fourteen and fifteen. So they have to go seven three or better to be above five hundred when May starts. So, so that you're just basing it off of numbers. I'm just saying they're going to go six and four. They're going to be below five hundred when May starts. Okay. And then I and, and I and I can't wait to see the reaction. Hey, but you I, guys want to plug in all of our uh, NFL draft preview stuff that we've missed for the last four months? Next week, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let's do it. Why not? So Jim Thomas is going to join us on uh, the the Channel 2 show at 11 o'clock on Sunday night, the 101 on sports. And we were talking off the air about how, because as you know, Carrie and Brooke, and Brooke, you were watching from afar, but we used to start getting ready for the draft in October. So we knew every player. Getting ready. And Jim says, I turn around now, he's at a hockey game covering a game. Uh, playoff game for the Blues turns around and gets like the 11th pick. He says, I've never heard of the guy that got drafted. <laughs> and that's just what has happened now because we don't pay as close attention to the guys that are draftable players. We, we pay attention to our SEC guys, but not all of the draftable players. Can't decide if uh, focusing on the draft in October with the Rams was a sign of positivity or negativity. Rock, it's coming from realism. It's your thought. What do you think it is? Negativity. I think it was positive. I think it was trying to <laughs> find some positivity. There's nothing positive about looking forward to the draft in October. The only was, positive though? is, is that's our Super Bowl. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's, t- <laughs> I, that's a really negative thing that it's, yeah. it's true, that's but a, I think it was a positive thought, yeah. right? 
awful way to go about life. Hey, if you missed our interview with John Eulett today, he's retiring on May 1st after 47 years in radio. He's still going to do some weekend music shows and fill in on Casey, and he's still going to do his Cardinal work with the, the Cardinal Kids show with BT and Fred Bird, and he's also going to do the PA over at Bush Stadium. But John Eulett with a magnificent radio career. If you want to hear that interview, you can just check it out on the website, 101ESPN.com, or our app, the 101 ESPN app, all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and auto centers getting ready for the weekend did you kids realize by the way it's gonna be cold this weekend i did see that it's gonna be like 40 what do you degrees mean it's tomorrow. gonna be cold what? 40 50 degrees tomorrow what? i have 50 yeah why are there 30s on my weather app again so yeah, t- tomorrow 52 sunday 59 tomorrow south county the golf discount of st louis uh demo days that's at the south county location and then over at old hickory on sunday and you can learn more but just by going to the golf discount of st louis uh facebook page and get all the times and all of the locations and i'll be over there on sunday for a while i probably from one to three or so over at the uh old hickory location in uh cottleville i guess cottleville mo Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Uh, you, uh, hey, Matthew, have a good weekend. <laughs> no, I, I can't. I just, I, I literally just cold. Cold. I literally know. I'm just thinking about it. It's going to be 38 degrees when I drive oh. in on Monday. Negative. Uh, yeah. You are already focusing on negative Monday. Yeah, right. So right. Had, hey, two days. He's going to win. Crocky oh. sucks. There you go. Yeah, there you there go. You go. Brooke, this was a fun week. It really was. And we need to, uh, Brooke came in this morning saying, I don't have a hundred caps to wear a different one every day, so we need to enhance this cap more. collection. I can't, I, I'm working on it, guys. I, I don't know. I don't have all the caps in the world. Uh, I, somebody did text in, they were like, are you like that 30 Rock character? Remember that guy on 30 Rock that had like a million different hats? That wasn't Lutz, uh, was no, it? No, Judah Friedlander's character, yeah. um, uh, the, the really, you know, like yeah, scruffy writer. Yeah. Why am I blanking on his name? I, I know, I can't remember, but Great yeah, show. I'm kind of like that. Yeah. CD. Our pole bears. Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Had a great week for all of us until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.